Ahoy there! We're back once again in the spooky season to celebrate the last, 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 last ride as we look at Tales from the Dead Man and some assorted little bits hanging on still that we need to discuss about the career and post-career of The Undertaker. As always, this episode is brought to you by our fabulous backers over at patreon.com forward slash AE Podcast. Become a backer now for as little as $5 a month with no obligation to stay on. You can drop out whenever you want. You'll get access to a whole boatload of video episodes. Our most recent being about No Mercy on the N64. Two and a bit hours long that is as well as that all of smackdown crawl over 80 episodes we're just on the road to wrestlemania 17 at the moment and you get all the bibliotech episodes long form book reports with myself and adam q a episodes with me adam and billy commentary tracks available for a pittance and as well as that always a wide variety of side ventures and side series little bits and bobs to keep our patrons happy all this and more available over at patreon.com forward slash a podcast but for one last time we're gonna prove that we're as good at this as we once were and ever will be it's time to dust off our big black rimmed hat put on our gloves and boots that we left in a wrestling ring and make the long 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 slow walk to the last 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 ride of the undertaker Hello everyone and welcome to the Attitude Podcast. And just when you thought this side series was going to rest in It's only October! Once again it's come around, we're feeling a little bit spooky and we got a couple of shovels, we've headed down to the crypt. It's me, your old pal, Big Red Kevin Man, joined as I am always in another look at the last, 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 last ride by Commando Adam Bibolo. There's an obscure one for you. How are you doing today? Kevin, I'm just... We took a little break from doing the last ride. <laughs> a little break. A, a little lengthy break. And people have been asking why. Why is it not Why is it not been coming out? Why have we not finished it off yet? And I'm just, I just want to be honest with everyone. I've been worried. I'm just worried about this side series becoming a parody of itself. So I wanted to take some time away, try and do a lot of rehab, a lot of training, get back in ring shape, ready to finish off the last, and I do mean last, last, last ride. And in true form of that, Adam was ready to go three or four months ago. Yep. And I was like, no, 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 no. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't want you. This is our second go at trying to record this part because last time we did it, I got all fucking in gear and ready and shape, ready to do a three hour recording. And then you only gave me a little fucking four minute podcast. And I was like, yeah, it was good, man. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. I, I, I've been training for three hours, but you only gave me four minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was good though. It was look, good. Look, Adam, you're as good as you once were. <laughs> oh, fuck but, me. But never could be. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying though? Yeah? <laughs> it's been literally a year since we started this. And, and I've forgotten all that <laughs> shit now. <laughs> and until look, people were worried, but the reality of it is this. COVID is still a factor. Yep. The restrictions are in place. Yep. We can't record this in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Sadly not. I've tried. Yeah. Okay. And it's not going to work out. So here we are yep. a, a little bit later than intended. Mm-hmm. All right. But we're here nonetheless and we're doing it now for the last time, Kevin. It's the last one. So don't don't you worry. Here we are. We've got a smorgasbord of potpourri and we're going to crunch into it now. Oh. Go through it all bit by bit. There was a part of me, Adam, that was thinking, well, 
I did want to leave this series fallow yeah, for a little it bit. It was a deliberate choice. It was a sure. deliberate yeah. choice. And you know, this happens on how to all the time where it's like, look, something's gonna happen. You know, so I'm gonna wait. That's it. Which is why I haven't done a CM Punk episode for How to Wrestling in five yeah, because years. Something's gonna happen anytime any now. Any moment any now. Anytime now, something's gonna happen. This will be the moment of the genesis <laughs> of CM Punk. But we figured you'll leave him for a year. Yes. See how he gets on. We'll have the, you know, not the pandemic ending, but arenas opening back up. Yep. There'll be a WrestleMania. Exactly. And when we finished last, there was what appeared to be a tidal wave of tie-ins coming the Undertaker's way. So we wanted to see how all that came and how that hit up against the, the shores. And it's not necessarily been the last 12 months what we anticipated for the retired mean Mark Calloway. I'm pretty sure that we said on a recording that, like, I predicted he'll be back at the next WrestleMania in front of a live crowd. We were waiting both nights. Both nights, we were sat there like, any second now, you hear that gong, here it comes. Oh, you small brain peons thinking that's a rainstorm, and I know that's just generating lightning for a great (laughs) Undertaker entrance. I predicted that he'd be back at the next possible WrestleMania in front of a crowd, if only so he could say goodbye in front of some people. And I predicted, you can go back and listen to this in part five, I said word for word, I predict that The Undertaker is going to do an interactive Netflix special (laughs) featuring The New Day. And boy, oh boy, one of those predictions did come true, Kevin. We also had a number of pieces of Undertaker merchandise, and which we we will talk about all of these things. We we did have another wee little installment, and I do mean wee, and I do mean little, Mm. and I do mean installment of the Last Ride series. We did have a formal official sending off. We did. And we've also had some things which could best be described as miscellaneous slash uncategorized slash various artists. <laughs> that seems very generous, even though that's accurate. Yes, miscellaneous we'll go with. So the great thing about this is that you could fall asleep or skip around this podcast and it'll probably make sense at any point. Absolutely, doesn't matter. So look, I know you're all thinking, a big bowl of potpourri, let's get crunching into that. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's perfumey. It it singes the nostrils and the eardrums. What's the first thing that we're going to get into today, Adam, to talk about Mark Calloway and and how this last ride, post-last ride career has went on for him? Well, we're sitting down with our best friend, Timothy Oliphant, who's going to narrate this for us. It's the secret bonus chapter of The Last Ride, part (gasps) six. What? Tales of the Dead Man. And boy, oh boy, was I excited about this. Were you really? I mean, look... There's a lot of things about The Undertaker that are kind of just myth for the sake of myth. And there's a lot of stuff about The Undertaker that, in spite of everything, still are extremely exciting and still are somewhat shrouded in mystery. Yes. And Wrestler's Court... Yeah, okay, right. ...is one of those. Yeah. And both the network screenshot... Mm. And also our own artwork that Michael Scally, Fizz vs. the World, give him a follow. Beautiful. Fa- fabulous, beautiful artist that he is. Both of those led me to believe that this was going to be like the wrestler's court smile time variety hour. Oh, Kevin. And to say that I was shocked at how few anecdotes were rattling around. Well, I was going to say, I, <laughs> I, I would counter that excitement immediately by pointing at the WWE Network logo and just being like, don't forget, big man. This is on the network. This is coming through the Vince McMahon filter here. Like, you're not going to get the really spicy, juicy gossip that you're looking for here. But I thought that would be like, you know, the WWE Network logo would at least guarantee me that it would be like, you know, WWE 24, Mark Calloway can't think of any stories. Oh. And it's just him going, and then I'm thinking to myself, you know, 
I don't want to tell stories that would make me become, you know, a parody of myself. And I'm sitting around crying in his fucking freedom oh. shirt or whatever it is. But it's not that. No. In- instead, for the first time ever, the WWE documentary gang have given every bell, whistle, yep. animated graphic, yep. ev- celebrity... Timothy Oliphant? Where did he fucking come from? You- this is basically, this episode is, you know, when Jackass 2 did Jackass 2.5 on DVD. <laughs> it was like, oh, we got so many scraps of extra shit, we'll make another one. That's what this episode is right here. And they got Timothy Oliphant in for this? Timothy Oliphant, who could best be described as... I don't know which of these it, it is, is most like, but I went through various phases, because like, I only realised halfway through it was him, and I got, like, retrospectively outraged and it did distract me Timothy Oliphant because you were here. just picturing Agent 47 sat there in the recording <laughs> studio right doing his iconic twirl around <laughs> shooting down police helicopters and yeah, maybe it, it, look, if, if Agent 47 ain't doing bullet time it's not a Hitman game that's all I'm saying right <laughs> or a Hitman movie or, or any part of that franchise oh we're coming in hot today baby <laughs> but Timothy Oliphant here who turns in I'm going to say it a sub Agent 47 performance Bless. Who, at point, sounds like he's, like, about to start laughing. Yeah. <laughs> you know this shit's all fake, right? Yeah, like, he's turning around <laughs> to his, like, his hot wife and being like, Hey, look at this baby. Can you believe what they're paying me to do during this pandemic that, bullshit? That's it. I'm glad you pictured it the same as me, where it's him in his office, like, his den at home or whatever, recording these with his Blue Yeti And he's already vaccinated long before any of us were. Yeah, but he's not getting out of bed for this shit, like... <laughs> Joe said to me at one point when she overheard me watching it, she was like, is he trying to be The Undertaker? Because <laughs> you'll hear him and he'd be like, The Undertaker's bone-chilling bone yard is full of many bones. <laughs> and he's got a bone to pick with the bone man here tonight. He's having a whale of a time. Yeah. Keith David's serious yeah one take respect the script and he wouldn't be pretending to be no wrestler as well <laughs> oh timothy oliphant if he popped that top clean off and mm. popped into a wrestling ring mm. yes i'd want to see him wrestle absolutely we welcome with open arms absolutely to a main yes. event in any arena across the mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. i'm not gonna i'm gonna say it right but he disrespected the dead man yeah. More, more than we ever did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've we've been very fair to the Undertaker, actually. I think. Yeah, you're right. We've been a lot more careful with his image than Timothy Oliphant ever was. It's your tone, Timothy. Yes. We we did our research, but I can tell from your tone that you're sneering about his "Don't Tread on Me" ball cap. Look, if I had one Say note, <laughs> if I had one note to give, it would just be. Put a bit of respect in your voice when you say the dead man's name. That's all it is, baby. Because you've not lived until you've heard Timothy Oliphant be like, The Undertaker. But also be like, The Undertaker. He's trying to do the serious voice. But also at the same time, he finds it hilarious. Like, he sounds like he's narrating The Undertaker about to get punked. Yeah. You know, that's what's going to happen. Swerved, Kevin, swerved. Come on, keep it on brand. So, I don't know about you. But I thought The Undertaker throughout his 30-year career, and that's 30 years just in WWE, so we're talking 35 years in total, probably. Mm-hmm. I would have thought he'd have more than 20 minutes of stories in him. He does. It's the network. I'm telling you, these are the 20 minutes He's of stories. He's the network. What is it about the network? We have funny stories in the network all the time. But I'm talking about this is The Undertaker, the kind of company he kept, the kind of locker room that he was around in. I feel like a lot of the stories, a lot of the genuinely interesting, great stories that you would get from Undertaker 
wouldn't go out on the network because there's too many things where it's like, oh, but, 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 but you do, we can't say that anymore. Like It's like they've been to the future and they know that Dark Side of the Ring is already a thing. It kind of feels like that, yeah. And it's like, it's surprisingly time-proofed, this. Mm. Like, I'm not going to lie to you folks, there are a lot of, here's a funny road story set to, you know, little cartoon drawings. Yeah. And more than a few of those, it's like, all right, if WWE is setting something to like cartoon footage to tell you about something shady that happened in the 80s or mm. 90s or the early 90s, Oh, that's a lot of time period to cover. Uh, get a bit of a cold chill up the spine. That's it. I feel like a lot of these stories have been heavily edited as well. Like, a lot of them are Undertaker sat in his big armchair telling you them, or there's a lot of them where he's, like, in a locker room and he's just, like, casually mentioning a story. This is very clearly, like, deleted scenes from yeah. the series. And I feel like a lot of these have had details chopped out of them where he may have mentioned one thing or something else that maybe we shouldn't put that in the final edit. Let's clean these stories up a little bit. And they do often say that the devil is in the detail, but also usually the substance, the funny bits <coughs> and the engaging parts tend yep. to be in the detail as well. But hey, Timothy Oliphant says we're going to learn about the lore and the legend. <laughs> hey, hey, get a look at this stupid looking idiot. This guy says he's a wrestler. <laughs> I can't believe people watch this shit, man. No, no, man, I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll do it. The, the lore behind the legend. <laughs> he thinks he's tough. <laughs> You do me. You do five seasons of Justified. That's tough. <laughs> he, People he, in glass houses, Timothy Oliphant. That's all we're saying. He played a marshal, aka a real tough man. Ooh, all right, yeah, real toughy. It's the marshal they would have sent to take care of Booger Red back in the old west. Is all I'm and saying. And you know what? Booger Red would have respected it as well. He loves the law. As a former outlaw, loose and running as he is. Yeah. Now look here. I'm really glad you you mentioned to me that you've got plenty of notes to take us through this one, <laughs> Kevin. I'm going to tell you that I've made four notes about this entire wow! special. The first one is narrated by Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> and the second one is Timothy Oliphant saying, a mysterious egg of gigantic proportions. Yeah, I've got mysterious egg <laughs> as well. And look, we all heard the funny story and the rumour as it was. About the egg. About the egg. Yeah. And this was a Survivor Series back in the day. Mm -hmm. And The Undertaker was going to be debuting. And there was a big, mysterious Brontosaurus Rex I egg. Spoilers, mate. Now we know what's in there. Brontosaurus X reg. And the Undertaker, <laughs> he says, Oh no, I was thinking, I'm going to be Eggman. <laughs> and then it turns out he wasn't. Yeah, now the legendary story I always heard for years is that that was the plan. And it was like, this is going to happen. And eventually he managed to get out of it. But it turns out it's just, it was his anxiety. No one actually said to him, you're going to be the Eggman. It was just Undertaker, like, he got the idea in his head himself. Like, Yeah, the, people like the idea that it was kind of this last minute thing. Because that's the yeah. only way to explain the gobbledygooker. Mm -hmm. As if the gobbledygooker is not tantamount, if anything, to the great ideal of too many cooks spoil the yeah, broth. That, that was planned and overplanned. And that pudding was well and truly... Forgive the pun, over-egged. But the Undertaker here, that is, that's the anecdote. Yep. I done thought I was going to be Eggman. And then I got a phone call, and it was from Vince McMahon, and he clarified that the egg was was for a different character, and I was going to be uh, the Undertaker. And the dead man's fate was sealed forever when he didn't become the Aeg Man. That's what these stories are all edited like, folks. Maybe that was it. Oliphant was having a laugh at him for real. Like, this fucking egg idiot thinks he's going, thinks he's going to be an egg just because he seems an egg. Well, you see some bacon, you think it's going to be bacon as well, you fucking idiot. <laughs> 
Right, we got another great anecdote. Uh-huh. Now, the most iconic arena. Some would say if an arena could be a conscience of the WWE. Oh, yes. It would be Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden. All the way from The Rock. All the way from The Eggman. All the way up to Boogerhead himself. And Undertaker has his fair share of exceptional memories in Madison Square Garden, including giving Steve Austin a concussion and giving us all a shit match at SummerSlam 1998 that everyone pretends is not a shit match except us and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And the dead man had an underwhelming match once again. (laughs) But get this, right? The Undertaker, he would have to get into the arena... Like, you know, he wouldn't just, like, show up there like you or I. I can't wait to hear about how he manages to pull this off, Kevin. How is he going to get inside? Well, this story can only be told through the exquisite medium of DLC for an Xbox 360 game in 2009-style cutscenes. We didn't have the budget to animate these, I'm afraid. But we had an artist. Yep. But A we, very overworked artist. But we thought we could just pan around this, yep. you know... Cut and paste that. Cut that guy out. We can just move him over there. There you go. Hey, do you like Watchmen? Well, have I got a motion comic for you, baby? Yes, it's animated in the most technical sense of the word. And they will look down and say, can you get into Madison Square Garden? And I will say, yeah, but it'll be slightly difficult because I'm The Undertaker. People recognise me. People recognise me. And that's a problem that's exclusive to The Undertaker, Kevin. I'm sure no one else has got a story like this. Well, look, here it comes. Look, here comes the anecdote, the meat of the matter. We, we've got the setup there now. We've got all our pieces. We've got The Undertaker, the icon himself. Mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden, an icon in of itself. Point A to point B. We want to get the dead man inside the big arena. Oh, it's like a game, this. It it's is, like isn't fun, it? It's like a fun riddle. But How are we going to do this? If you leave Paul Bear with the sack of grain... <laughs> If you leave him with the Gatorade, he will drink it. <laughs> <laughs> so what it is, right, is that they, they had a they had a, an ambulance. Yes. And instead of using that ambulance to help people who were like dying or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, people that need to use it. We thought, we'll rent this one out and we'll get the Undertaker into the building using the ambulance. Because, I mean, if you think about it, Kevin... There are no other vehicles that you could sneak someone into a building. Ambulances are the only vehicles that have got, like, closed-off sides with no windows where people can't look in. Like. And you're probably thinking, oh, she so don't just wear a hat. He already wears a hat. He wears like, a hat. That, that, it makes anything, it even more obvious. More obvious. Yeah. But tried that. here's the kicker. He would leave the arena in the ambulance as well. So that ambulance has to stick around and not get used by anyone in need for a good few hours then, yeah? But here's the kicker. It worked. Until one time it didn't anymore. And then they came oh. out of the ambulance and they're like, look at all these people. Here's the kicker. We can't use it anymore. Whoa! the dead man had to find a new vehicle to get in and out of the arena. The mysterious allure of the story of a time he used an ambulance, <laughs> but then no longer could. I mean... Truly adds another page to the weighty <laughs> tome of the legacy of the dead man. Even, like, a naff enough story about getting in and out of a building. Compare that to the Mayor Kane book, where yeah. we have, like, a fun little story yeah. about Paul Bearer being like, Kane can drive! Or when the boss man got his finger caught in the car door. Even funnier. You've like. literally been outworked by a man closing his fucking finger in a car door. You're the Undertaker. You've been outworked by a mayor writing a shitty, clean, squeaky clean, boring book. Like, come on, do better, dead man. Well, look, okay, if you if you want to know about another legendary page in the chapter of the book of the great legend of the mythos of the Undertaker. Here we go. Here we go. Here, this is it. There's three letters that strike fear into the heart of most men. Yep. Bone. Yard. 
match, baby. Uh, Bone Street Crew. Oh, sorry, yes, my bad. BSK. Bash Street Kids. The Big Shite Cunts, as yep. they are originally named in very early on in the... <laughs> when, when three giddy men found out for the first time what it meant. We can say cunts on a podcast and get away with it. <laughs> We're keeping misspelling. Which is way better than radio. This is the one that I imagined would be turned into... Like I just imagined this is a dark side of the ring. Oh, totally. There is definitely fucking skeletons in their closet. Absolutely. Literally, the Bone Street crew? You telling me there's not dodgy shit going on there? The bones? <laughs> Bones? Those bones? Those mouldy lamb bones? They're already on it. They've paved the streets with them. They don't even have to put them in their closet. That's how dodgy they are. But The Undertaker would also be in this Bone Street gang with a little lone man called The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, come on. Godfather, fun, larger-than-life character. Let's inject some fucking fun into this episode. Come on, baby. And I wrote down about this anecdote. This was the anecdote where I kept expecting a knife or a gun to be... Absolutely. This, brandish of some sort this is the anecdote where i feel like there's been a lot chopped out of this there is a lot of missing pieces to this story i think this the coolest part of the story and the coolest part of the whole of the whole set of anecdotes was when undertaker said that he smashed his head through a door like he ripped off his hinges and he's put his head through a door yeah. because that alluded to an undertaker that i was kind of expecting to hear about yes because like party animal like he gets some whiskey in him and he goes mad like. but not that he's like running around like a fucking headless chicken or anything like that No, but he's fucking scary you always hear like brett's book or like you know people who wrote about what was going on the taker would have his own little corner mm-hmm. and you know he would be holding court but mm-hmm. you know if push came to shove this man would do something fucking crazy that's it if you tried you know? him he'd make you famous exactly yeah and what happened here was he put his he he, he took the door off his head and then well come on let's let's dial it back kevin okay. why 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 is booger red and the godfather actually fighting here why, why they're two great friends why have they got into this little scuffle what's well, going on much like his friend the undertaker the godfather also likes a lid brackets hat and he had gotten a new hat mm-hmm. and undertaker liked the look of this hat he liked the cut of that brim as they say mm-hmm. you know a man of millinery is the undertaker <laughs> and he said oh that's a nice hat and godfather was like oh do you want to wear it and undertaker was like no nah, no nah, you're all right and godfather's like you want the hat though don't you mm. and this became a game of one-upsmanship brinksmanship brinksmanship it's mm-hmm. a style of gamesmanship hatsmanship hatsmanship coming soon to patreon.com forward slash <laughs> where kevin and his very large head try and put on a variety no, that one of doesn't fun. fit oh, no, no, no that, that one, one either and then i put my head through a door for some reason <laughs> that's the that was it like it was the only hat that he, he thought oh you want to see a hat i'll show you a hat like <laughs> so he put his head through a door and um he said he had to be there, which kind of I felt... Literally, was, when was, The Undertaker yeah. admits that, like, he can see the camera crew, no one's smiling or anything. Like, oh, man, I guess I guess you had to be there. But it was just that they were like, you should wear the hat, no, you should wear the hat and all that. And I get, you know, you know, he had to be there. But what the real kicker, here's the kicker oh, here of this. All right, here's the kicker. Sorry, do you want a little chaser with your anecdote? Please. Because this is the Jack Daniels that goes down with it. I don't care, just yes. give me a goddamn beer. Here we go. It was a typical night... We had a lot of those. Whoa! Whoa, whoa. And the toll that it took on the bodies of the dead man and the BSK would be felt for years to come. Another tome has been put in the Steelbook box set. (laughs) (laughs) Another limited edition art card, which could be exchanged for the (laughs) other. You you, you could put it in the front and be like, oh, here's him with his different hat on the front of a Steelbook case. You know, 
on the shelf of the DVD collection of the career of the mythological being known as The Undertaker. That story fucking stank. At one point... It took such a long time to get there as well. We gave you the edited highlights there. We really did. I will point out, saying that a typical night is, you know, one that we had a lot of, is kind of like belt and braces telling us... Just to be clear. Just to be clear. And by the way, we did this all the time. That's just how things went back in those days. Look, here's a funny story with Brother Love. Here we go. Oh man, if there's one thing we love on this podcast, it's a bit of Bruce Pritchard. So give it to me, baby. (laughs) So he he was managing The Undertaker when Undertaker first debuts. And... They got lost on the way to an arena. Whoa. And it was very funny is that you had Bruce Pritchard telling the story. And uh, Undertaker was also telling the story as and well. And they're best friends, of course. And it, it if was... you ask Bruce Pritchard, they're best friends. And what was funny about it was that they were like, oh, we, we came to this bad neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know where we were. And we wanted to get back onto the interstate. And they did a little animated graphics for this. There they are. And they drew these guys who kind of looked like Jesse from Breaking Bad. Yes. Punks. Punks, if you were. And Undertaker, he was just like, these guys were like, give me $15, man. So, um, yeah, what it was was that um, when they saw The Undertaker, these these punks got scared straight. Oh, and a scary looking man, isn't he? And then uh, he did a little voice and he was like, you know, you should drive down there. Those are the directions. But he scared them straight, mm-hmm. it was. And they'd never seen anything like that in their neighbourhood where those punks were from, where Bruce wouldn't have been normally. No. So that was the anecdote. <laughs> Another asterisk in the lengthy <laughs> Wikipedia controversy section of the citation needed career of the phenom. <laughs> hey, we've got another one. Oh, Jesus. And uh, like, we're, we're nearing right the end now as well, right? <laughs> and a cold chill ran down my spine. Adam, I'd seen, every, I'd seen it all night fair, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to hear The Undertaker talk about. The plane ride from hell, Daddy. Uh oh. Uh oh. This this has got this has aged very very badly in the first, last six months. First things first. All right. If you've not seen the Dark Side of the Ring about the plane ride from hell, which mm. kind of recontextualized a lot of the uh, plane ride from hell discourse much over the years. needed recontextualizing. I think yeah. because we all really leaned in too much to like, oh boy, what a wacky fun time that was, and didn't really sit down and think about. The sheer horror of what actually went down on that plane. And I will say as well, they call this the flight from hell, this anecdote. In spite of the fact that this is absolutely not the plane ride from hell. This mm. is a separate incident. This happened in 2001. This is a separate story. Separate with the, story. Because Kurt and Vince are doing the takedown contest And that's here. the thing, apparently now, I've, I've listened to a lot of kind of, you know, folks teasing apart this and went back and have tried to read about when this stuff was reported by Meltzer and the like back in the day. But as it turns out, the actual plane ride from hell in 2002, you know, all the all the really bad marquee stuff that you heard about, mm-hmm. you know, like Michael, you know, all, all the bad stuff you heard about, that did happen on there. Okay. The problem is that people have over the years thrown in kind of basically every story that happened on a plane ride and stuck it in there as well. Right. Okay. And there's certain people saying that, oh, it happened and it didn't. Like, Coach has like a different version of events. Okay. Like, whether or not Vince McMahon was on the alleged plane ride from hell in inverted commas, there's people who dispute that as well. Right. Some okay. people say Linda was there. Some people yeah. say, no, she wasn't there. But what it is, I think, is just that anytime they took a plane ride and they charred a fucking jet all the way over to... UK mm-hmm. and wrestled a fucking pay-per-view then got right on a fucking plane and headed back yep. surprise surprise it was a fucking shit time yeah. and there wasn't something magic in the air that made 2002 a worse version of events mm-hmm. it's just that 
that was the one where a lot of it happened with a lot of people who... That was the straw that know, broke the camel's back. Exactly. Like, yeah. So, yeah, this happened in 2001. Okay, right. So, pre-Flair, pre-Scott Hall, pre-Mr. Right. Hennig. Okay. Pre-Brock Lesnar, all yeah. of that jazz. But The Undertaker, man, he done had his ear busted open severely in a match with Steve Austin mm-hmm. right before they got on the plane. They're told, you need to stay here, get the NHS... You know, get him to stitch you up. You need to wait a day. Or you can get right on that plane with a gummed up ear. Gummed up ear. Go really like fucking high into the air. High high altitude. Yeah. And he was like, socialized medicine. I'd rather die than let someone get health care that they're entitled to. Oh, and the dead man would happily pay for medical insurance for the rest of his days. Another confusing moral that was taken <laughs> in the tome of the dead man. <laughs> Set in stone, for whatever reason, I you know, guess. But, uh, so he proves that he's a tough guy by getting on this plane with his gammy ear. And Vince and Kurt uh-huh. are having this takedown contest, yep. which I think this is the most solid proof we had that that didn't happen on the plane ride on the plane ride yeah because that's been conflated with the plane ride I've definitely heard that, that yeah that yeah happened on... I, I'm pretty sure that you know WWE have done like little animated tellings of this yeah and there have been shoot interviews surprise surprise Sean Waltman with three glasses of red wine trying to keep pace with Big Sexy is probably not the best man to tell you what, what, what went on exactly in what year it went I, on I took his gentle swaying to mean that he was confidently recalling everything in clear detail Kevin I like... took that as the swagger of a man who knew what he was talking yeah. about so now this, this is the flaw Flight from hell. Yeah. Completely different to the flight plane ride from hell. Because, okay. to quote The Undertaker, it was a pretty wild flight, man. Sounds it, mate, yeah. And there was a takedown contest, and Undertaker choked out Kurt Angle because he saw Vince McMahon, his best friend, being uh, assail- assaulted by the Olympic gold medalist. Yep. And The Undertaker would take a bullet for Vince McMahon despite their confusing relationship. Another anecdote solidifying the nature of the relationship between Vince McMahon and The Undertaker. He's like a diet to him. Whoa! And and that's that story as well. And that's that. There you have it. And, uh, well, there's another little story you might want to know about, folks. Here we go. Because The Undertaker has always had something of an affinity for fire. Oh, yeah. That's, you know... Yeah, we've always known he's a bit of a, a pyrotechnician, is this guy. And I thought that, like, this would be... Oh, remember when he got fucking set on fire during Elimination Chamber? You know, yeah. Genuinely terrifying moment. Yeah, I'd like to hear about that. And I thought, well, we're probably not going to talk about him running around, like, you know, threatening to kill the pyrotechnician for setting him on fire. No. Or, or anything like that. So what it is, is he used to throw matches at Yokozuna, and uh, one time he set him on fire. Yeah. And now he misses him. So, uh... Jesus literally the shittest anecdote yeah. ever yeah you know like i i've had a very close friend pass away mm-hmm. and like there are many times where i would like you know like to button off an anecdote by going and i really miss him but mm-hmm. I, i'm conscious of the fact that that's probably a bit of a fucking downer particularly if you didn't know the man personally well no i i honestly i appreciated seeing undertaker be a little bit sensitive and be like yeah i miss my friend it's it's sad that he's no longer with us it's just a like what better way to honour your friend than to tell the story of how you set him on fire one time? I would like him just to be able to sit down with Savio or the Godwins, whoever you know, the original Give BSK. us a table for three or something with just, the BSK. What was it like? Yeah. Give him some fucking dominoes. Jesus. Yeah. Have a game. Oh. Show us the banter. What was it like? Because like, I know we make fun of it all the time, but there's no question in my mind that those guys were fucking as tight as it got. Yeah, they love each other. It's proper camaraderie. And I would like. hazard to guess they were probably tighter than the click were because it wasn't about muscles and money like yeah. you know it was uh it was a bit more of the camaraderie and whatnot and how did we go six 
fucking documentaries about this man. Mm. And I feel I know less about him than when we were calling them big shite cunts. <laughs> you know? I still have no more recollection as to why BSK is written on his tummy like a Care Bear. Because he loves his friends. That's as much as you need to know. That's as much as you're allowed to know. Don't Kevin. you fucking set me on fire. <laughs> and if you do, you're not allowed to miss me. Alright? You lose that right. Also, I just, I really have to say, I do take severe umbrage with the idea that The Undertaker is the one that's known for having a love of fire. You know, when you'd get in the ring and he'd raise his arms and yeah. go, boom! And the all four ring posts would explode. Well, that's not your fucking gimmick, mate. I mean, that, that's it. He's, he's just taking gimmicks left, right and centre here, right? Mm. Coming up next, the stories we all came to hear. This is it. This is what the thumbnail was based on, baby. Give it to me. And we have lots of little snippets here now from other documentaries. Mm-hmm. You know, Big Show, Kane, Piecing this about together. This alluded to mediation process that exists you know, a lot of times in the world of wrestling, sometimes there's misunderstandings and it needs to be up to the boys. Mm-hmm. The boys have to decide mm-hmm. what is to do. There's only one person who's there for that process. That process is wrestlers' court. Yes. And there may be different defendants and so, you know, we had a lot of people who would definitely always be like JBL would always be the prosecutor for the most part. Yep. We have rotating cast of characters. But let me tell you, the one man who was judge was Judge Undertaker because yeah. he was the judge of wrestlers' court. And a lot of times, it was a good laugh, apparently. Yeah. And uh, more times than not, it was good, harmless fun. More times than not. Which is quite a qualifying phrase. Honestly. (laughs) Honestly. So there were times where it wasn't a bit of fun, eh? Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I'd like to hear about those times, maybe. The one instance they gave us was Foley and Al Snow being pulled in because they left Bob Holly at an airport. Which we've heard Bob's side of from the hardcore truth. They went to the fun fair for the day and left Bob behind. Which, again... Dick move, guys. Seriously, yeah. Not like you two. I thought you boys were better than this. Come on. The, the, that is the one good thing about this episode is that we do get to see a little animated Bob Holly being left behind. Like, who cares? Like, looking kind of bummed out. And they, they had a little dig to him because he had like, his bag and out of his bag there was sparky, sparky plugs plug. coming out of Got it. it. This anecdote quickly runs out of steam as they're not going to talk about literally anyone else. That's it. You know, that's, and, the, that's the squeakiest clean one we could find from Wrestler's Court. We just literally have him there, kind of sat on his chair, you know, looking down at his shoes. They'll probably say, like, there's a thin blue line running through uh, it, whatever it is. And then the producer goes, Do you want to you tell us about about when Xavier gave you the uh, the, the, gift? The, ga- the, gavel, the gift? Oh, yeah, man. The gift? Yeah, Xavier Woods gave gavel? me this. He got me this really nice little gavel look. And uh, you see, I love that. I've never used it. No, I don't, I don't do that anymore. He's, he's never used it. No. He's never he's used no, he's it. There's no wrestlers caught anymore, mate, because they're all fucking playing video games. Have you ever, like, had that, like, with, like, I don't know, an elderly relative where someone's like, and show him, show him now, Gran, I got, the, she's got, it's a digital radio player. Yeah. She'll be able to listen to all of her favourites now. She yeah. just has to tune it into the digital station. Yeah. Make sure the LAN cable is connected, Gran. Yeah, show, show it for it. There it is now. Oh, uh, I don't listen. I don't listen to music anymore no. since they got me the intimidating digital radio. Also, he kept it in his like his sock or something. Like he pulled it from out of his foot. Like what the fuck's wrong with you? And it says on it, uh, Judge Undertaker. <laughs> I have so many questions as well. Which is a. <laughs> Where do you go to get a gavel engraved? Yeah, serious. Timpsons maybe would do that for I you, I reckon, perhaps. They give you the look, though. They would. They'd be like, Judge 
Undertaker. Okay. Yeah, okay. Just let me. Can you, can you write that down for me, just so I make sure I'm getting this absolutely right? Judge Undertaker. Okay. Well, yeah. It's one of those things you can get on Amazon, like, or or independent sellers. It's some yeah. like, engraved shit, like, whoever is. <laughs> and uh, that about does it for the uh, wrestlers' court story there, then. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, and then we have Timothy Oliphant having to try and cap off all of these fucking... Oh, that does it for the entire thing. That does oh, yeah. it for the last ride right there. And, like, he's trying to have to, like, cap this off and put a button on it. It's all this, like, random footage of Undertaker. It's like fucking You've Been Framed or something like that. <laughs> these are but a few of the tales that enhance the myth and legendary status of the Phenom. Uh, that was 21 minutes. 21 minutes. And our last three minutes are... Can you guess... It's a fucking trailer for the last ride. Yes, series. it is. We just finished the last ride. Why? One more time. What? Let's start all over again. Okay, here we go. We're there and back again, baby. And now we're in the back again part of it. Now you promised us a twenty-four minute documentary, and you've given us a twenty-one minute documentary mm-hmm. with a frankly far too long trailer slash sneak peek at the end. They've written Screw Flanders over and over again at the end of this episode, pretty much. And I love the next Marvel movie I go to in the post-credit scene. If it just shows me a trailer for the movie I've just watched. Yeah. I wouldn't say there'd be riots, but there would be upset people. would be confused more than anything. Like, who does this? Who does this? Who watches this documentary other than us? <laughs> Who's this for? <laughs> like, how could you be so wanting to know more? Because mm. more. Five what episodes. Something. I want more. Yeah. More. So you have to be a level of Undertaker fan that you've watched five episodes of this and you want more. Yeah. But not so much of a fan that you have like any natural curiosity about yeah. him whatsoever. Yeah. Wow. This was literally just they realized that they had a few scraps left over from those first five episodes. They were like, ah, we can easily squeeze a little more content Fucking out of this. Fucking gristle soup is what this is. Honestly. Honestly. The scraps from underneath the table. This is fucking meager what they've given us here. Do you want to spin a wheel, make a deal, pick a, a new Undertaker venture for us oh, to look into? God. Okay. What are we going to dive into now? Some of his. Perhaps some of his social media thing. Because he, he did, after the last ride finished, it was like he broke the seal. Yep. Here's Mark Calloway now. The I'm, real forbidden he's, door. He's finally out. He's out publicly. Here he is. This is the actual man that played The Undertaker. So then he started taking on some other ventures and he started doing things online. How about we look in on his appearance on Hot Ones? I just watched that again yep. this morning. I watched it when it came out. And and it's not like most Hot Ones. It is, it's virtual. They're doing it through Zoom together. They're not in the same studio because yeah. it was at the height of the pandemic. And he's not dressed up like The Undertaker. No, nope, despite the thumbnails. The thumbnail, really <laughs> yeah. doing like heavy lifting there. I'll be honest, like Hot Ones is... It's an odd show for me because I won't like go out of my way to watch every episode. Nah. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, like the interviewer, even though I like him, there's something about his interview style that if it's someone I don't know, I don't feel like he's much of like, he's not holding the door open for me to kind of come on board and know why I should care about Post Malone. You see, I'm the other way around. I like when he's talking with someone that I don't really know. I'm like, okay, this guy is making it accessible for me and making it so that I can understand this person better. Because he clearly does a lot of research and he clearly is like, he he respects the people that he interviews and he is a pretty good interviewer. But when it's someone that I know, like The Undertaker, it really fucking irritates me. Really? Why? Because his questions are things like, now, can you tell me, is it true that there's a thing back 
backstage where you have to mediate between the boys and that thing is called wrestler's court and you would be the judge for the whole proceedings oh, and you'd have gosh. a guy called JBL be the attorney and is it true that you would oversee all of these things and sometimes you would give out punishments like you'd have to buy a case of beer for all the boys or you gotta pay for my plane fare is it true that you would do like he would basically just answer the question another in the question. legendary question I asked Donna <laughs> whoa, whoa but I will say generally speaking my favourite hot ones episodes have all been ones with like wrestlers or people that I'm very like Gordon Ramsay oh shit Stone Cold shit <laughs> Sasha Banks just pulling the face knowing that she has to eat a spicy chicken wing she's not very happy about it she'd rather do that than get vaccinated at least so <laughs> at least she's doing this anti what <laughs> Taker is at his most relaxed here I thought oh yeah I because I watched a lot of other appearances from the dead man uh-huh. and Jesus fucking Christ some of them there was one he was on called bone collector <laughs> and now come on that's the perfect pairing right there and there's a there's a guy and it only has like 3,000 views it was obviously a podcast and the video of it went up on the on the socials right. and the guy is a Big hunter, avid hunter, big about like if you're a hunter, you're not just a hunter, you're like a caretaker, or you know, he, okay. you know he, he's very okay. into like kind of the, for lack of a better word, the 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 spirituality and all that jazz, the Chris Pratt side of hunting. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I don't, I hunt because like it's very spiritual for me to go and kill a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, just to, it's life to stop. And I, I sit by the carcass while it's bleeding out, and I say thank you, I love you, <laughs> and it's because of you that I'm going to skin and eat your bones tonight. Whoa. One less animal in the ecology to worry about. (laughs) And another level of the food chain has been removed. (laughs) The ecological consequences will be felt for decades after the legendary career of the phenom. (laughs) Hey, look, there's just not enough food to go around, Kevin. Sometimes you have to hunt for yourself because where am I going to get meat from otherwise? But you know, this is your standard Awkward Undertaker interview. We've seen a lot of those recently, you know. But on this one, he's with someone who he's meant to love, and because it's about hunting, mm-hmm. and a great one to talk about hunting. But the guy knows fuck all about wrestling, like, and this is me saying it, right? Mm-hmm. So he, if you at home think I know fuck all, wait, you see mm-hmm. this guy, because he's just like, hey man, what was that thing like? You know, when you were doing that match, and like, you know, I saw you, and you were like, whoa, what's this guy like? He's like huge and like a zombie, and like you came into like Metallica's your entrance music Jesus and all that, webs. and then the Jake was like, well, um, I was tagging with a guy called Dan Spivey, and um, we were um uh having a match against a guy called Psycho Sid. And the other guy's like, huh? <laughs> and also, they're doing it downstairs and the lights are all low and they have headsets on and they're also whispering because I think Michelle and the kids are asleep upstairs. Oh, no! So it's got a big, limmy fucking streaming, streaming at four at in the morning yeah. with the window open. And we yeah. to keep it down a little bit, just like this. Yeah. But compared to that and a lot of the other awkward ones, I thought Hot Ones... Hot Ones, honestly, this is the best Mark Calloway. Laid back, man. I, yeah, I don't know if it's because he's at home by himself with a laptop. But or he he's is... hungry and he's getting a meal. That's He actually says, right, off the bat that he is hungry here and so he just gets to eat chicken wings and he comes off I was really taken aback by this I went into it expecting it to be awkward as fuck he comes off brilliantly here he's very endearing yep he has all these little like moments where he just kind of breaks the character a little bit little smile like he smiles he smiles he's nice he says things like that's a really good question I've been asked so many questions over the years no one's ever asked me that man that's a great question I remember we were saying like at the end of the, the the original run of this series we were saying Seeing him excited to talk about yes. his career, finally getting a chance to be like, you know, and him shaking off some of that kind of hesitation, mm-hmm. which I think maybe that's the downfall of that last ride series is that he is like neck deep in 
I have trepidation about That's all this. It. He doesn't think it's a good thing. Whereas the point of him doing that media, which is around the time of WrestleMania last year, yeah. or around the time of Survivor Series, I should say, he was doing a lot of it as well. I just felt like he would kind of shook off a little bit of that rust. And That's he it. was like just a little bit happy to, to be asked questions and to be, you know, to be interesting for someone. Mm-hmm. And he also handles hot wings like no other wrestler we've ever seen. He does a good job here. He does really good. He doesn't touch any of that milk. Now, let me tell you something. On the other end of the spectrum is Undertaker going on a turkey shoot. Oh, now I didn't see this one. You, you, you surprised me with this this morning. I didn't know this was a thing. Jesus fucking! Like, I'm not. I'm not into hunting. Like you know, I'm not. I'm not into. Like, I can tell you that. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Dropping Sorry. a bombshell on you. Dropping a bombshell. The lad who like segued from a career in animal welfare into being a wrestling <laughs> podcaster is not the biggest fan of hunting. That being said. Like, I know that there are literally, like, instances. I know this is used as a bullshit excuse in some cases. Not all. But there are cases where, like, there are certain deer that come in and places get overrun and stuff like that. And that there is, like... And the only reason that the deer are there in the fucking first place is because some idiot brought them in anyway so they could hunt them and all that. But anyway, there is an element of, like, estate management or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not necessarily completely more opposed to every instance of hunting. But something about watching seven foot mean Mark Calloway going out with a fucking pump action shotgun <laughs> and decimation. Wait, a shotgun? Boom! Oh no! <laughs> Don't you want to have some turkey left over to eat? Like, Nah, he's there fucking bullet time. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he, and he kills two in this video as well. Do you see it? Oh yeah, you oh see it. Oh my god! Like there, this is the bit I don't need to watch it, so I'm still shook. You get to see, it, and then they're wild turkeys, man. Yeah, and like, and I got my exploding rounds here in my shotgun. Uh, I got some armor piercing rounds. <laughs> right. You know, some of these turkey are Antifa. Uh, you know, some of them, some of them trying to, you know, uh, make sure that this uh, stolen election is being, uh, you know, ratified. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna allow that, man. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sh- go start sh- man, shoot, man. I'm gonna start shooting, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> So what it is, is they show you this, like, wooded landscape that they're in. They're all, of course, you know, dressed up with their fucking, you know, predator account. You know, their special fucking invisibility suit because, you know, the infinite ammo from the end of Metal Gear Solid. Like, all the cheats enabled. (laughs) (laughs) Careful. You better be invisible or the turkey will fucking come and kill you, like. So um, he's there out and... They show you lovely, of course, all these hunting channels of all of these, you know, trap cams and all that jazz. Yeah. And I used trap cams when I was, like, working with uh, with animals and, mm-hmm. you know, working with cats and all that jazz. And it's, you get this amazing footage. And there's this beautiful shot they have in these two wild turkeys. And I don't know if you've seen, like, some of these wild turkeys out in America. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God, the color of them. Like, they're mm-hmm. all different fucking skin and, like, the plumage and all that. They're just, like, generally speaking, a ridiculously ornate animal. Mm-hmm. For something that is just kind of Christmas dinner for most people, you forget... Wow, that's yeah. a fancy looking it's fucking bird. Yeah. And you're looking at it for like five seconds and it's just, just like look at you right in the eyes if to say like you gotta write a fucking haiku about me later, you motherfucker. <laughs> Boom! Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And you listen to the other day going, Yeah man! Jesus! Boy, I don't told you I was gonna kill that turkey. Now it's your turn to bleed, boy! <laughs> you know? And he fucking high fiving, wow. grabbing a grabbing a fucking tree to stand up because he's all like, boo, oh boo. my god! He, he had difficulty kneeling down to kill the animal. Oh, I thought you meant it was because it was orgasmic for him, like oh, he had to catch his breath. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't in his trail mix. They didn't pack some knee injections or Jesus a couple Christ. of vials of ozone yeah. or whatever he has there. <laughs> 
and then he kills another turkey later on and yeah. uh, he shoots it and um so here's a little footage of uh of just of, of undertaker killing and celebrating with uh with a turkey god All right, thanks for including that, pal. Oh, look, and in the interest of fairness, I'm going to now, using my considerable skills as an audio editor, simulate what it would be like if a turkey shot Mark Calloway instead. Head towards the next bit. Oh, you know, technology these days is incredible, isn't it? You can do anything. There it is. Now, could we maybe have a turkey stab Undertaker to death or something? (laughs) You'd have to include it now, just off air for me and you. And here's the Undertaker being killed with a barrage of baseballs. (laughs) (laughs) So, the other thing that we probably should chat about, and this was like not so much opening the forbidden door of the Undertaker's, you know, character not doing these types of things, but like turning that door into like a spinning around door that goes whoop, 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 and then the door uh-huh. kind of spins off its hinges and it flies off into the atmosphere. Adam, let's talk about the 15 minutes of cameos that you and I watched. Oh, God, fuck me. This was one of the first things that was announced after like Undertaker is like, okay, he's the Boneyard match. That was his last match. We all know it now. He's retired. So everyone needs to make peace with The Undertaker not being around anymore. But for a thousand dollars, you can get a 30 second cameo from the dead man himself, baby. Now, is it a thousand dollars? Thousand dollar he does. I thought it was like four hundred dollars, or was it the Alexa Bliss ones? Let me look this up. I remember reading that he was one of the, like, the second most expensive cameo that was ever put on cameo at the time. And of course, this happened as well, right around the time where WWE were cracking down on other people using cameo. Oh yeah, that, that's what was so annoying about jazz. this. Yeah, they're wheeling this shit it's out. Like, sorry, Biggie. I know this has been brilliant for you, but you're not allowed to do it anymore. But the Undertaker, who you know, he he's not busting his ass on the road these days. He's gonna come in and make a cool thirty grand off of this. I hope you don't mind. It does kind of make me disgusted as well when it's like special cameos like this, which are set up for the Undertaker. It's all there, ready for him, mm-hmm. and then you got Big E, who literally the definition of hustle that's it the guy was fucking cranking them out yep you see people like bianca belair she's allowed to do them as well i guess she gives a cut to wwe but if you go on her cameo page she fucking puts the work in she does like proper personalized yeah, yeah. gorgeous messages with a big title belt giving you lots of affirmations and positivity she'll fucking sing happy birthday to you like she oh puts yeah the work in. you get alexa bliss there you know she Reminds you of like a ten-year-old child. Yes, you know, and she looks at you, and she'll be and like, she'll dress like a ten-year-old. She child. will, yeah, and she'll laugh, and mm-hmm. she'll say your name, yeah, and she'll swing on a swing, yeah, and like just really be a ten-year-old child, yeah. You know, uh, weird for four hundred. It is it's weird, isn't really it? Weird. And she just look at you, and you kind of go. This is uncomfortable, mm. you know, and that's a real. She's working her craft. That's there, a bargain, Adam. really, when you think about it. But now I got it. Confirmation here on the news: Undertaker with a thousand dollars a piece on cameo, the fifth most expensive at the time. So you and I watched fourteen thousand dollars worth Look, of cameo we footage. Did. We did well. 
You did 30 of them, I think, right? Was it not 30? Well, it was 40. I guess, you know, I thought they were a minute long, but they're not they're, all They're minutes. like 30 seconds long. You're I th- right. I think there was 30 here. You're right, there was 30. We watched 30 grand's worth of entertainment in that 15 Fuck minutes. Hell, I feel dirty now. And I, look, look, dude. we're not saying this from out of nowhere, because Adam Bibolo, he's not just a cameo expert, he's a cameo customer. Because I've, ah, yeah. I've been very, very fortunate. Mm-hmm. I have been gifted a cameo from Adam. I know... Not 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 as you think like oh you can get the Adagiera podcast nah, on nah, cameo nah, 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 and Adam got me a cameo from himself. <laughs> <laughs> nah nah, I'm talking. We're talking A listers. We're talking Jesse from season four of Married at First Sight Australia. I really appreciate he, that. He got a nice birthday update for Kevin, and yes, he showed off his PS5, and yes, he showed off his fucking gorgeous flat screen 18 inch monitor that went with it as well, baby. What so a sometimes you just look at it for hours. Like, yeah, honestly, you know? and it was great because we were in the height of lockdown at the time. It was really shit having to do a lockdown birthday and jesse was there to tell us that things are all great over here man i went out clubbing last night with some of the guys from the show like are you locked down over there mate? oh mate that's got to be really fucking hard going but we're having a great time over here and if you know anything about married at first sight australia season four it's a jesse is a very very aspirational figure so Absolutely. for him to say that you know all i'll say is in my experience of cameos and that's the only experience i've you got me that that floored me like, it was on my birthday, and I was, I had the best goddamn birthday in the world this year. But when you, when I opened that up, I was literally brought onto the floor. Yes. Like, that's how much fun it was. That's the power of it a cameo. It can mean a lot. It can mean a lot. And it's... You didn't pay a thousand dollars now, did you, No, no, Jesse? no, I, I paid... I can tell you now, mate, enough time has passed. I paid a cool 15 pounds for Jesse to give you that I was going to say 15 Australian dollars. <laughs> like, yeah. But cameo can be such a wonderful yeah. thing. Over on my Twitch page, we've done it a few times now, I'll play Cameo Prices Right, where I'll play some cameos from different people in the audience, and you have to guess, like, what the price and what the value is. Because it's a bit of a wild west, isn't it? Like, it people is, know... Their own worth. There is no like barometer. Lucy from Twin Peaks, Kimmy Robertson that plays Lucy, one of the most beloved and adorable characters from that show. She did a fucking eight minute cameo for someone where she was talking about affirmations. She was giving a life update. She was wishing genuine love and peace onto this person. Fifteen pounds that was to get oh, it from, from a fucking Twin Peaks alumni. Come on now. And then you've got people like Ryback that will charge you a few hundred dollars so he can be like, sandwiched in the hey, middle of I hope your wedding goes well and uh, keep an eye on the best man. I've seen a lot of pornos where the best man causes a lot of shit on the <laughs> wedding day. <laughs> my, my new favorite all-time great cameo, which we came across while researching for the Kevin Nash episode of How to Wrestling. This is him wishing someone a happy birthday whose birthday was on September the 11th. So it's oh, l- no. low-angle Kevin Ash being like, you know, sorry your birthday is on the day it is. Jesus, you know. dude! He goes, it is what it is, you know, but it was your birthday, you know, long before those knuckleheads decided to drive <laughs> those planes into the towers. <laughs> Kevin Nash, no, baby. Like, if, if someone's doing a cameo for a September 11th birthday, you just look right down the camera and you go, 1993, the federal government came after uh... My father, coincidentally, you were born as well. <laughs> yeah. But generally speaking with cameos, is there is... So we're, we're pro cameo is what you're I'm saying. I'm pro cameo. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a lovely way for people to make a bit more hustle. Yeah. People like Dam Drops do well on cameo. He yeah. charges like fucking $500 per one on there and he does really successful doing fucking it. Fucking hell, I'd love that. Like. Honestly, that's what I mean. It's a lovely side hustle for people that could do with the extra cash. And I really love it when you see the people that do put in the extra effort and they like really, yeah. they take a little time out of their day where it's like, like the guy that plays Kevin on The Office or the guy that plays Jerry from Parks He's and Rec. He's made that career they, now. Honestly, yeah. they're really successful because they're like, I appreciate that you've given me this money and I know that you 
want to hear from me because I did this character. So I'm going to give you a little bit of that and it I'll take my time. perfect for wrestlers because it's like, you give me a 30 second promo. Exactly. Wow. That's you know, it. that's all I want. And so you can feel a lot of the time, you can feel the love and the care and the effort that goes into these. And for, you're more of a cameo aficionado than, than I am. But generally speaking, if you do a cameo, is it going to be like, read out this script? No, Or no. is it like, here are the bullet points. That's it. A fishbone skeleton tap structure. You know, you, if you get lost in the 30 seconds, kid, grab a hold, wish him happy birthday. You, you give them, you have, you're given like a limit of 15 lines to write or whatever. Okay. And you give them bullet points and like, please mention this, this and this. And then they can put their spin on it. And in the case of Jesse from Married at First Sight Australia, he didn't say happy birthday to you. No, he didn't. He said, hey, hey Kevin, uh, uh, thank you, mate. I, uh, I understand you're a bit of a wrestler. Um, <laughs> what the fuck, Jesse? And then honestly, like... Jesse! Got me one from Jesse in return for my birthday as well. And on my one, he said, like, oh, I understand that you like wrestling. I don't even know who the wrestler is these days. but the <laughs> So some people really put the effort in. Some people glance at the script and don't do anything involving it. I, I wouldn't have thought now, and this is no disrespect to the man, but because of the nature of his career, and more necessarily the, the nature of his character, Taker was never a... 30 seconds, down the, down the lens, big man. No. Sell the match on Sunday. That's it. Not He's like, never like that The Rock way. could churn something out no. like that or whatever. But speaking of churning it out, this has got big, crusty, the clown vibes. This has got like, big wheel energy. Like, someone's turning it. a... It's like, okay, I got a plane to catch in an hour. Let's fucking get this shit done. Bada bing, bada boom. That's how it's turning. Literally. So... So, so any highlights for you from from these? I mean, right off the bat, the first thing, I, I was laughing big time just from him being like, because everyone starts off with him looking down and then he looks up and he's like, it's the Undertaker. I was like, yes, I can see that. Thank you very it's much. It's me. It's me. There's the, the classic one I think went a bit viral because it starts off with, hello, granny. Happy birthday. You're, you're turning 91. 91? Good Lord. That's awesome. He, that's the problem now with these is that because we watched them all back to back, and I'm mm -hmm. not sure, but whoever compiled these, and there are many compilations, it obviously felt like that this was the order in which they were recorded. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's because how I he, felt. Oftentimes, before we record, people might not know this. We always make sure to have a chat, a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we try and get, and it's not just to warm up the vocal cords, but just because you know, naturally. You need to warm Gotta up get in this. the rhythm, yeah. And it was cameo 10 or so by the time Taker actually hit his stride, yes, I thought. Yes, he finally got it going. Those like... first few cold cameos, they were ice cold. The best thing for me as a gruntman is that each and every one of these cameos ends with him going, And you will rest in peace. And I was... And you know what? The whole experience of watching these, one after the other, back to back, it was very much like Stuart Lee's shill bottle routine, where it's like the first Too one, many. I thought it was funny. Second one, I was really laughing. Third one, I was in hysterics. By the fourth one, I was starting to get a bit annoyed about the whole thing. The fifth one, I was fucking furious. Sixth one, I was like, okay, someone shoot me. I've had enough. By the seventh one, it started <laughs> being funny again. By the eighth one, I was fucking rolling. Kevin, these absolutely <laughs> killed me. Uh, and, and now what we have, I mean, if you never our live show where Adam played the hyper cut of all the grunts oh. ever, which was generally like the end of 2001 <laughs> Space was. Odyssey, this is as close as you'll get. Here are all of the cameo grunts. Rest in peace. Oh, Kevin, 
Thank you. You got a cigarette because that was incredible. I think I need to lie down. Uh, another highlight for me is talking to a man who just had heart surgery and being like, Hey, brother, stay strong. I hope you pull through. And if you ever see me, you will rest yeah! in peace. There was a couple of ones where... Like, it did make me realise, like, I was thinking, oh, these are a bit fucking depressing, but it probably made me realise, well, if you are someone who really needed this and you were the biggest fucking fan in the world, because there was around nine of them where it's like, you just got to keep getting up in the morning, man. Keep on fighting, brother. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Keep waking up in the morning. Like, mm. I know that the weather has just changed here. The old sad lamp is out yeah. in, the, in the Pod Crabs HQ Absolutely. here. Just that phrase, keep getting up in the morning from him going, Keep getting up and that fucking cut me like a knife. It's like if it's John Cena there with a big smile and like, you know, with his fucking award winning smile and his big energy telling me to get up in the morning and someone sent me that as a cameo, I'd be like, fuck, I'm going to turn things around. When it's The Undertaker. Yeah, and one second he's saying, keep getting up in the morning. The other second he's saying, rest in peace. Which 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 one is it, big man? Which is it? But he's there in his leather coat and doing his fucking eyes rolling back in his head. It's such a mixed message. (laughs) There's a couple of ones which are just like, ah, yes. The great wrestling fans out there who are just genuinely inscrutable avatars floating around on Twitter. Yep. The one where it's like, I'm going to spend a thousand dollars and ask the Undertaker to thank the McMahons for connecting all the world to the WWE universe. And Taker's like, you fucking see it. Yeah. Thank you, Linda McMahon and Shane McMahon for everything you've done in the mm. Oddland portfolio. No. You've really diversified the new media <laughs> part of the, the brand and we appreciate that. The other one which was very depressing, which was, Johnny, your mom says you should love her more and you should hug her and maybe you should say I love you just, you know, every day. And he says as well, now go and give your mom a hug and you tell her, that's from The Undertaker. <laughs> you made the fat rest in peace. What I love about that one is that someone's lost weight and they want to, someone's congratulating them on losing 100 pounds. And so he says, you made the fat rest in peace. But he says that right at the start of the cameo. So then he has to like try and come back around to rest in peace there is one again. Or, there's one or two where he just kind of puts the head down and then it's like... And he, he, just, <laughs> he, he just kind of goes away like you know and my my if you got like a particular favorite one we've not covered i think there's one that's like everyone popped big four online here because at the minute it's very much we are in the height of wwe versus AEW right now folks wrestling discourse online is very aggressive and very toxic right now oh you mentioning AEW means that wwe has run uh, 30 minutes in opposition to this <laughs> podcast now there's another there's another podcast playing on your device right now if you just turn it just ignore us just turn it down it, it won't matter so when i heard the undertaker start he, he's, he's there with his head pointed down and he looks up at the camera and he goes all elite scooby-doo <laughs> i'll fix him to do anything for money i like, think you, know, you obviously have pritchard or whoever laughing going eh, they're not gonna be around six months like yeah honestly they're certainly not gonna be beating us in the coveted 18 to 49 demo anytime Absolutely soon not. have at it dead man oh my favorite one was with you and your collectibles you truly have become the number one fan of the undertaker now that feels like it should be like the end screen for the netflix interactive <laughs> film or something like yeah. literally congratulating you well cameos from the dead man not available anymore. That was a limited edition That thing. was a one-time thing, which is clearly because they had like a half an hour slot to record them in front of this like purple backdrop they had. 
it's it was very much an in-house i think it, they maybe did a 50 50 split with wwe or something yeah this was not undertaker doing it this was a vince mcmahon yeah. and undertaker endeavor oh look for an afternoon's work 15 grand in the back pocket right I mean, you know? it wouldn't be great if all wrestlers were allowed to do no. that. No, no, definitely not. No. We're looking over there now in that other company. Mm. You know. The, the chaos. Chaos. Absolute chaos. chaos. It's like the Wild West over there. Miserable like. wrestlers yep. playing video games. Yep. What's next? Mm. Talking to their loved ones. No, thank you. No, thank you at all. Uh, so, speaking of limited edition and things that have extraordinary high value, uh, something else that I somehow was able to watch on YouTube, mm. which made me confused about the whole thing, Adam, you're looking at someone who watched the 15-second Platinum Undertaker NFT on YouTube. Gee, Kevin. Yeah, that's it. You must have... Does Joe know about that? Because you must have spent a fortune watching that. No, I just... I, I, I went onto YouTube and I just typed in Undertaker NFT. <gasps> and some trickster has only uploaded... Okay, we've got to cut this out of the podcast because if people find out about this, you're going to get in big, big trouble All with right. the cyber police. Okay, if only if none of you tell anyone, okay? No one tell anyone and I'll tell you what it is. On the, the gold one... Oh no, actually, I saw the silver in the pattern. On the regular one, it's like a trading card. And he turns right. around and he goes like... Rrr, rrr. God, could you imagine owning that? And on the back of it, it tells you his name, his height, his weight. Whoa. Home, hometown finishing moves. Wow. These four of them are listed. And then on the Platinum NFT, I swear to fucking God, lads, seriously, we want this podcast to keep running, so shut the fuck okay, up. Okay, no, right? no, one, no one says I'll be cool. On the Platinum one, he threw Mankind off the helm himself. This must be like a, an exclusive camera angle that we've never seen before or something, though, right? I'm guessing it's from like a it's like a, a new spin on things that we've never, ever seen. Well, what is he? He has mankind. He throws him off the hell in a cell. He says, oh. God is my witness. He's broken in half. And um, that feels like a mankind does, NFT does, now that I think about well, it. Well, no, sh- surely Mick got a cut of that. Surely. Surely Mick must have got a cut of that. And... And and the person that put the tacky lightning effect all around it, they must have got a cut of it, too. But you it just has a, it has a border. It has a platinum yeah, border. Like, but I does that mean the person who owns that NFT they own like seventeen seconds of King of the Ring nineteen ninety eight now? Oh yeah, they they own that OMG moment. All right, look. Anytime you watch OMG moments and it's like, oh my god, and you see Mick Foley get thrown off the hand of the cell, that person their investment goes. Do I up. owe Mick Foley fifteen grand now? What is it? No, it's the person you owe the person that owns the NFT fifteen grand. Can yeah. you explain to me what the fuck this is? Because okay, okay. at let's... the end of last time we were like, Oh, Undertaker NFTs are coming, gang. This'll yep. be interesting. Let's let's find out all about this. And then it felt like there was a natural pushback against NFTs. Mm-hmm. But you were telling me today that NFTs are still unfortunately, depressingly, the future. They're here to stay. People are embracing... Ah, that's different between it being the future something being here I, to stay. I don't know if they're going to be the future in the sense that literally everyone this time next year, everyone's going to be all about NFTs, but I don't see NFTs going anywhere anytime soon, Kevin. They're going to be sticking around. Like the concept of them and people investing in them and people creating them, that's sticking around. Give me the concept okay. and, and the most okay. basic, okay. explain Look, to right. me like I'm watching wrestling for five years. Okay, folks... Crypto bros, why don't you skip ahead like five minutes and just save yourself a brain aneurysm because you're not going to enjoy this. Pause it now. Have a reckon to what we'll say. That's it. Tweet us. Hop on the SoundCloud comments. Yeah, let us know there. Yeah. And then go back and listen to this bit and then leave another comment later going, sorry, I've continued listening. Yeah. And if you, if or my personal Instagram page, which is a hot... Yep. Tra- is a... Track us down on our personal ones. Send us some yep. hate on there. Go back, re-listen to the Nine Line chat as well while you're at it if you want. Just really get the blood boiling if that's what you're after. We're going to talk about Joe Rogan in a bit as well, so stick around. <laughs> like, this is gonna, you're going to have a great time with this one. Okay. So... 
NFTs. This is NFT. Oh, oh that feels sad now, doesn't it? Maybe, maybe Vince, if we've got some NFTs for NXT, people, people might like it again. You know, I just thought it was. Be quiet. Was, Go back to your coloring book, pal. I look. I drew a new logo, and it's got all. No one cares. All these different colors on it. You know. Oh. <laughs> NFT. Stands for non-fungible tokens. And I know... This I is know. a revolution! Sorry, I can't... I can't. <laughs> <laughs> NFTs are more viable than NXT. Look... Did you I, think we'd be saying I, that a year ago? I'm praying for them to do like a five-part NXT The Last Ride about Triple H's like last days in charge of NXT. Like how sad it was. But uh, moving to a different night and completely changing the show. It'll be a very intriguing dragon oh, to chase. Pretty badass. Actually, t- stepping down and having no responsibility or in control of NXT it's, anymore. It's a dragon of it's sorts. Pretty badass, actually. You know, you know, you just have to look at it as a dragon and work backwards. You know. Mm. Non-fungible tokens. Now, I know, Kevin, that's not going to do any favors that's to a you fun because word. I know. And every time you go to the arcade, you're always getting your fungible tokens, yeah. and you're always really showing off. Like, look, I'm fucking funging this like crazy, baby. Non-fungible tokens. That means that this is a unique item, like. Bitcoins, if you were to buy a Bitcoin, your Bitcoin is no different to any other Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoins are fungible, Kevin. Let's just clarify this right now. I am by no means an expert on this. I have got a very cursory understanding of uh, uh, The two crypto. people sitting right now with this microphone, you're the expert. I, I may know a little bit more Closer than Closer to the expert. I may have done a bit more research. I may have tried to understand this and get a grasp on it, but I by no means understand all the world of crypto... Currents. I need some cryptozoology. I don't understand the full world of cryptocurrency and blockchains and all that. I have got a explain like I'm five grasp on things gotcha. here, okay? But NFTs are different to Bitcoins because Bitcoins are all the same or whatever other cryptocurrency you yeah. want to talk about. They're all the same to each other, whereas NFTs are all unique, individual, one-of-a-kind items. All right, so that's the issue that I think most people have then, which is if I'm getting an NFT, that's a, an image, you know? Or a GIF. Or a GIF. JPEG. Whatever it is. People will do this advanced technique of right-clicking and save as. Yeah. Or sometimes, I don't even know you know this, a little bit more of a, a I call it the scenic route, a top left-hand corner, file, save as. Ooh. A little bit of the old school. You know, yeah, a little bit of the old school. Throwback. You know, throwback. We're just nostalgic people on this That's podcast. That's just it, isn't it? You know, and... Is there something like written into it? Is there is there like code? If I look if I look if I look at this image of the Undertaker, if I zoom in really close, are there loads of like zeros and ones that mean that it's different from just a re- like the same JPEG nah. that exists online? Now nah. the person that owns the GIF of Undertaker throwing mankind off the hell in a cell, he has the exact same GIF as you, frame for frame, like bite by bite, the exact same image. You right clicking and saving it is literally saving an actual copy of the same one that this person would have. Okay, so. Is it then, it's kind of like one of these things where it's like, well, the value that's, the value is only there by what the market says is there. Like this, like we are, we are the hundred people who bought Platinum Undertaker NFTs. We say they're worth 10 grand. Someone wants one. So now we say they're worth 11 grand. And if I go, but I've got a GIF and someone's going, yeah, but that's not an NFT though. And then that's good enough for the investor. I mean, it's not about the GIF itself. It's about the concept of owning the GIF. Because you know, people will say, oh, it's like artwork. Because, you know, you could own an old, beautiful painting. But, like, the actual, you know, it's not as if it's actually a valuable material. Or, you know, like, the actual physical property of it is not worth money, is it? But with a painting, you can't right-click on it and save it. You can have prints of paintings yeah. and stuff. So you could own a print, which is, I guess, the closest we can get to having the painting yeah. equivalent of right-click saving it. But 
With a painting, you can have an actual original. With an NFT, there isn't a genuine, genuine original because everything is digital. Everything is copies of everything anyway. Mm. So what you're really owning is the concept of ownership. You're owning like a certificate that basically says, I own this. And So uh, you'll own the GIF in the same way that you and I both own a piece of the moon. Honestly, there is a great breakdown on Twitter by someone called Stephen Deal who has basically broken down the same thing. It's like owning a star or owning a piece of the moon. Right. It's that same similar scam. And yes, I'm not afraid to use that word regarding NFTs. Wow. I, I okay. really don't like the sound of this. But it's, it feels like there is this genuine, very basic, oh, but what about this issue that everyone... Like, that's that's the stumbling block with, it, with NFTs. Is everyone's like, but I can just save it. Like It's just a thing Like I can see online. Yep. But you're telling me that essentially the people who are part of this NFT industry, which is, you know, contrary to our echo chambers, a lot bigger and getting bigger than we realize. They're saying, no, it is worth money. And therefore it is. There's enough people who buy that version of events that it will be worth money. It's like a self-fulfilling worth almost. And you're, when you buy an NFT, you're buying the ownership of that original item. And yes, someone can right click and copy and save their own copy of it, but they won't own it the way that you actually own it because you're the one that's got the official certification that says, right, okay. I own this. And that's interesting because like, you know, there were a lot of, you know, big ticket stories of like, oh, you know, this guy got bankrupted buying all these NFTs or, you know, the market you know, got scammed. You know, there's other big high profile scammings that mm. went on and stuff like that. You know, people kind of take advantage of like, you know, of people with more money than sense, which is always going to happen in any mm-hmm. new investment thing. But I think folks were kind of somewhat perplexed that wrestling got in on this because WWE have not necessarily always been cutting edge, but it feels like this is one of the few things that has come along that's like, sports technology new thing i think it's purely because it is such an easy way to spend money you think about the work that goes into making an nft if you're taking a screen grab or a gif of the undertaker and you just put it online and say it's an nft now and you can buy it and that works because you're saying oh it's 30 years of the undertaker 30 years of the dead man Mm. or whatever it is it's a commemorative it's a commemorative thing you you think it's capturing a moment more than anything the the worst that goes into a cameo at least the cameo still involves setting up a camera getting the undertaker in costume and makeup getting the undertaker to stand there and deliver his lines and everything that is still even though you're making like fucking 30 grand off those cameos there is still labor that's gone into that yeah with these nfts it is very easy for them to get like a guy in the digital department to put a tacky lightning effect around a gif of mankind put that on the internet and say all right pay us 10 grand for it well it feels like for for sports and for sports entertainment as part of that nfts it's less like the people out there like i'm gonna buy the original doge meme or whatever it is right, yeah because that's more like people thinking they're buying stuff that's like part of history or yep. or an actual like, you know, internet hi- history or internet art, whatever you want to call it. Whereas it feels like it's like, oh, Undertaker's career is winding up. I've been a fan for 30 years. Yeah, I will buy this little trinket. It's like a digital trading card, essentially. Which yeah. is exactly that one you described for me on the, on the silver tier is yeah. basically that. Right, so... <laughs> The only thing, I, the only thing about that is that because I know that John Cena, he did his NFTs. Did he? Yeah, and this is the thing that was very why I was quite shocked when you were telling me today about like how the industry is still kind of moving forward in mm. spite of this. But John, he did it all himself. That whole kind of Super Mario Three logo that he did. Oh yeah, that was his own design. He designs all of his own gear. Does Cena, much like the human suplex machine, Taz. Mm-hmm. But Cena, he designed a lot of these like NFTs, and there was going to be you know silver, gold, platinum, and all that jazz. And he said it was like out of however many hundred thousand dollars we were going to make, we made like 30 grand. Okay. And he was like, it was the biggest 
conceptual failure of my career. Mm-hmm. We we swung big and we completely missed because it was his big match return coming yep. back to SummerSlam, first big pay per view back with fans properly. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all these big things, big match, John coming back. He's facing Roman Reigns, all the hype and and they didn't move one. Well, they you know they they moved fuck all of yeah. them. But I think the difference between a John Cena fan who might be younger and an Undertaker fan who might be kind of you know in more of that coveted WWE fifty plus demo. That's it. I think that's the difference. Different there. wage brackets there for sure. Yeah, like. and different ages and wages are going to be like what makes the difference with NFTs. Yeah. So I think there'll be more of them. Yes, I de- definitely. There is going to be more. There is definitely specifically more. wrestling, specifically WWE. The amount of money they made off these NFTs, and we're going to get into that soon. The amount of money they made off oh, so of you, these. You've got you've got some figures. Oh and yeah, facts because here it was all me. public auctions. It's all publicly course, available. Yeah, like, yeah. And this is it. Yeah, we we were talking about this. This is starting prices. These guys mm-hmm. now. This wasn't like it's ten grand. It's no, like, no, it that's starts. the start of the auction. Like, all right, so, so we'll, give it we'll, to we'll, me. Then. We'll, we'll get into that in just a second because the last things we want to say about NFTs for anyone else that's out there has heard like all the controversies and stuff is like. A lot of people are morally opposed to NFTs, and like, and they, they uh, do have like a, a huge kind of environmental impact. That's it. Same way, same way as crypto does. At, at first, you could be very much like, "Why would anyone pay for a fucking gift, dude, or whatever?" and just be opposed to it from like a "I think that's nonsense" point yeah. of view. But people can do whatever they want with their money. That's fine, what have you. We're not even going to get into the fact that it's such a fucking like cesspit of money laundering, and like there are certain money that's, laundering. That's where the dodgy stuff is coming. There from are certain knowledge. money laundering yeah. checks that happen with cri- crypto, where it's like there are laws and there are things in place to make sure you can't just wash money through crypto. That doesn't really apply to NFTs. Yeah. It is very easy. It's still to, kind of unregulated. Bit, yes. Yeah. There is, it's still very new and there's a lot of stuff going on there but in terms of an environmental point of view what you receive when you buy an nft is you're basically getting a registry in someone else's database that is saying like oh yeah that person uh, that that. adam biblo does own the platinum one i can confirm using my my database here i can confirm that adam biblo does own that nft so basically and, much like with cryptocurrencies to actually have this always on status of a computer or a database checking yes. that this is this is what it says it is that's it that actually requires a lot of energy and a lot of it's not yeah. just like a cell in a spreadsheet or anything either and this is again this is i'm not qualified to talk about the ins and outs We're of this, broad strokes but here, in terms yeah. of like the actual the way that crypto works is it is constantly being verified by a whole community of computers that are doing hundreds of thousands yeah, of calculations yeah, yeah. constantly so it is not even like it's just digitally stored it's an active constant calculation process it's making a computer somewhere go yeah there's a lot of that (laughs) and it's like yeah there's all these machines that are working just to calculate the nfts and to calculate who owns them and the value of it and all that and look i know that big nft fans that get really into this no because the nft should have won the wednesday night wars it was their night (laughs) but the easy thing that people always try and combat it with is like well if you're not fucking being vegan and recycling every single thing that you use what difference does it make to you anyway and you should do the worst thing that's it it's like we're trying to make things better right now let's not invent any more technologies that are actively damaging right now and yes there are before anyone comes to me there are certain nfts that are carbon negative and that like they're being you know, used by companies. Same with crypto as well. That's it. There are ones out there, but that is not the majority. That is very, very, very much the minority. And I will just say as well, given that we're talking about something that is, as it stands, a bit wild west and slightly unregulated in late 2021, if you're listening to this at any point in the future, take all of this as completely out of out of uh, that's it the future of nfts could be very very different to where it's at now no it will be and like i say we have a very limited knowledge coming at it from this but i've tried to get a good understanding of what the ins and outs of this are the time frame though of them getting on board this was like that's i think why it came into focus for us so Mm. so quickly is that like 
whoa, like WWE are doing it. That's like, you know, say what you will about them. They're a billion dollar company, yes. you know, and, and early this, adopters. This is the really depressing side of NFTs to me. Because like take out the environmental impacts and everything. If there is a positive to be say, taken away from NFTs is that you can use it to support small artists yeah. and creators and like help them actually generate a lot more income. And that's why we're uploading all of the podcasters. <laughs> but then you get people that like one of their NFTs went to auction for like $69 million or whatever. And clearly that's where Vince McMahon looks at the news and he starts to fucking pay attention ah. and then you get people like wwe coming in and it's like you've got plenty of revenue sources as it is yeah. you do not need to be getting in on this yeah we need more i don't know it feels like there's more to it for wwe than john cena having a bad investment opportunity because yes. i think this undertaker one judging from the little i know and that they sold them mm-hmm. that has to have been financially very viable Yes, and it was. Which means they will do it again. They absolutely will. They made a killing on this. And like I say, it's one of those things where it's like, it's pretty much all profit. So like, they will absolutely be doing this again. I wonder now who gets to split with that, if that's 50-50 with Undertaker, or if it's because Mm. it's an Undertaker, not Mark Calloway NFT. What about Mick Foley? Where does he come into the thing? Yeah, seriously, he's got to get a bit of a fucking handshake for that at least. Come on now. So there is a thread on Twitter by Boss Mars where he breaks down some of these things and has a look at the actual auctions themselves as well. We've got here the different ones they had. They had a tier of platinum, gold, silver, Silver, bronze, and they did two bronze tiers and two silver tiers. The bronze tiers were going for... A couple of hundred, wasn't it? I believe the bronze ones and the silver ones were just flat rates. Yes, they weren't auctioned, but the gold and platinum were two auctions. Yes. Okay, okay. So the bronze was $100, the silver was $1,000, and they sold many of each of those. I don't have the exact figure for how many of each one. But the, the gold auction ended on 30 grand. And the platinum auction, this is really fucking crazy. The platinum auction started at 10 grand, and someone, the opening bid was $10,001. Then the second bit was a hundred thousand dollars, and that was it. And, and it's sorry, it's it's not like it's um, not like eBay, eBay where you put in your max and it's like ten thousand and two. No, did, did they know that? I don't know <laughs> because it went from a thousand. It went from ten thousand and one straight to a hundred thousand, and it was like, well, that's that then. Going once, going twice, going sold to the mark, <laughs> and that ended up with WWE. This is the grand total they made from these five gifts that they sold: three hundred and twenty-three thousand and eight hundred dollars. Well, that is probably more money than they would have... Like, that's more money than they would have made on the gate from the pay-per-view that they would have had that time of year. Probably. For some gifts. Yeah. For some gifts. And look, I don't care what your stance is on NFTs. You might think it's the most magical and wonderful technology in the world. The fact is that Vince McMahon and company made 300 grand from some gifts. You can't argue that. That is what happened here. That may either horrify or delight you, depending on your your viewpoint. From my point of view, it makes me feel really fucking sick. (laughs) I don't like it. Honestly, I'm amazed at the restraint because, you know, you have that and then you have the Cena one and that probably has them kind of wondering, like... We need to be more careful with this. But what I would fig- figure the obvious thing for them to do is Hall of Fame every year. Each Hall, Hall of Fame, yeah, WrestleMania NFT, NFTs. Because you're going to be going after that older fan who, you know, when I thought of NFTs, I thought immediately of recurring character on the podcast, dickhead who Kevin met at WrestleMania 25, <laughs> who was really, really well off, really wealthy, and really, really intensely into his wrestling, yep. but also had kind of a joyless quality to him. Like, he yes. just wanted to consume yes. and, and eat all the WWE. Just hoarding it all. Yeah, and I think there's no shortage of collectors in there the world. There is a lot of people out there Sports like Sports merchandise, yeah. Yep. So, that's interesting. If, you, if anyone actually has any info about 
hey, I got a bronze one and it's went up or down in price or mm. you know, ha- check in on your NFTs this yeah, Christmas. Yeah, make sure. And that's, we not even touched on the fact that it's meant to be like a trading thing where the value can go up and down and all that. Like, it's not just a case of buying it to own it and to keep it. All right, tell you what. I will I will trade an Undertaker silver or bronze NFT for like kind of one of the episodes that people don't like as much, like wake yeah. up wake up call or Heatwave ninety eight or something okay. like that. I I will take a bronze Undertaker NFT for I've got one of these really cool. It's a holographic one of the Rock doing his just bring it fingers like that. And when you turn the card, is it sorry? It's it's not an NFT. It's a real card, folks. I hope that's okay. Oh, sorry. I thought you were turning cardsmanship on Patreon into an NFT. Dude. Oh! Oh, shit. Well, it turns out we've got a different viewpoint on it now. We went away and did some research. <laughs> snip, snip. <laughs> <laughs> Another appearance that was kind of eye-catching, and I think it it was good for us, honestly, in many respects, because this happened around the time that the first series, of, you know, first run of the Last Ride podcast came out, mm. and a lot of people got enraged by it, and then a couple of our videos floating around, like, you know... I think the nine line one. Yeah, we, we we picked up a few folks who were like, "Oh, there's people out there who are like, no, no, the other side of this man, or yeah. you know, don't kiss the the, the feet of, of this uh, lad on Joe Rogan talking bullshit." Ooh. Now Adam came to me and said that uh, a lot of the people on Twitter said that of the last eighteen months, Undertaker on Joe Rogan is probably one of the most noteworthy things that happened. Yep. Maybe y'all should fix to check it out. And Adam, after around 15 or 20 minutes, got in touch with me and said, don't bother. No. And he's now here to relay what it is he learned now, on look, the big brain super think tank of the Joe Rogan experience. Let's be honest here. Come on. Let's be honest with who we are and what we do and what we like to talk about here. I went into the Joe Rogan experience with The Undertaker. Just, with the lowest of expectations. Not even the lowest of expectations. I was sat there with my fucking net, like, looking for, like, they're going to say something really fucking dumb. Like, they're, they're going to say something really fucking bad, and we're going to scoop it out, and he, we're going to talk said, about fuck it. fuck lots. We're going to take it out of context when they're talking about the police or something like that, and we're going to have a right good go at them. Yeah. And then people in SoundCloud comments are going to get really upset. We got them. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, it's a two-hour, 45-minute podcast. <laughs> And I, I listened to a good 20 minutes of it, if not 30. I didn't realise it, because I was the, we do a lot of long podcasts where we try and keep that energy up. And yes. it's obvious that those two gentlemen were not given the same uh, Hey man, and then Vince McMahon said to me like, you want to be The Undertaker? And I was like, fuck. It's a lot fucking better than being the fucking Eggman. I fucking tell you that much. Well, fuck me. Fuck, man. Yeah, yeah, fuck. Fucking hell. Like, um, fuck, let's get that up on the fucking screen. Fuck. Look... I, it was very, very dry and very, very boring. Did he have a good and time, at least? Undertaker, there was, there was a few laughs. He seemed pretty laid back. It's that, It was similar to Hot Ones, not quite as laid back or as friendly as Hot Ones. Was it, it was a similar it's... energy. Like, you know, people were saying, oh, it's very toxic masculinity because there's all that kind of... I think that's where all that chat of, like, man, yeah, the boys in the locker room ain't killing each other and dying of drug overdoses that, makes me sad. That, that big, like, headline about Undertaker saying WWE has gotten too soft, it came from the Joe Rogan podcast. Right. And let me tell you this, those cats out there that are trying to write their clickbait, Conrad, they will just take things out of context because they ain't got nothing better to do. It's sad. And that's all that happened was he said he, it's soft. And it wasn't really as bad as he said it was. It's just a clickbait kind of thing. Yeah, it yeah. It gets spun off into a controversy. Yeah. Honestly, he probably did a lot more controversial things in the last ride. He wore more controversial Honestly. things in the last ride than he said on Joe Rogan. Rogan didn't seem that into it. And was I know he fucking that, asleep? Ro- Rogan, I know, has spoke out very heavily like, and very passionately about him not liking WWE and thinking wrestling in general is a lot of fake crap because he's such a big MMA dude. So I guess maybe he wasn't that excited about talking wrestling for three hours with someone. I think all that 
that I hate wrestling thing is just a gimmick to get wrestling fans riled up. Like, say what know. you will about Rogan, but you don't you don't be the fucking man who sits in the desk and sees Brock Lesnar coming to UFC and not understand how. UFC fans get riled up by wrestling fans and how yeah. wrestling fans get riled up by UFC fans. And guess what? All those plays look the same on, on Spotify at That's the true. end. That's true. That certainly is true. Where I will again say, we do not get paid by Spotify. We do not get paid Just by Spotify. Case, everyone, Joe Rogan most definitely does. does and we do not. A little editorial clarification we needed to say over and over again after Sa- he signed for... Uh, oh, the editorial podcast getting a billion dollars! Sadly, the announcement I made of us being on Spotify was a little bit too classy looking, I think. Yeah. People took it the wrong way to think, wow, that's an official Spotify announcement. I was like, put some fucking artifacts there, like, you know. <laughs> give me some drop shadows on that. I want to see a transparency out of place. Come on. So, I mean, Rogan didn't seem that into it. Undertaker seemed pretty sleepy. He was saying so a lot of the same So it's not things. the lightning rod of controversy that was made out No, today. at least if it is, I didn't wade through the full two hour, 45 minutes just to find the controversial bits. I, I couldn't do that to my own mental health. It was very boring. It was very tedious. If you haven't already figured it out by now, I'm not a big Joe Rogan fan. He gives me big fucking MMA Russell Brand energy where everyone's like, <laughs> oh my God, dude, he's so like big brain and crazy mind blowing. He just, he's so open-minded and he thinks about everything from both points of view. Like maybe one point of view a little more than the others, but he definitely thinks like, about everyone's side. He takes side. the point of view, like the point of view that he believes and the point of view that he pretends to believe and then says he doesn't believe. Yeah, it's mind blowing, <laughs> man. Mind-blowing. It just really makes you think. Like, well, it, it's not, not our cup of it's tea. It's not our thing. Our and thing. that's it's why fine. I tapped out after like 25 minutes or so. Well, you know, it wasn't worth a hate listen is what we're saying. It wasn't. But if anyone out there has got some highlights of the hateful bits that will definitely rile up the blood of me and Kevin, please do send them our way. I, like. I just think, though, I was surprised, I think, you know, the fact that I'm, I think it was probably the blowback a little bit from that Joe Rogan appearance. I would have thought, you know, oh, here we go. Off to the races. He's going to be on loads of shit. Mm. And really since November kind of calmed down a bit it's calmed down a bit you know November last year the only real kind of bits he's come out of the woodwork to do is stuff to promote the Netflix interactive movie that's been the recent thing he did a a few spots with like anything entertainment tonight he did some interviews and all like that and we sat down last weekend yep we I can't remember we were gonna watch something else we were planning to watch we were going to put on an episode of... It was it was me, you, and our partners, Joe and Alice. We were going to put on an episode of People Just Do Nothing before we wrapped up the evening. It was getting quite late, and we were thinking of heading home soon. We had we had, had a dinner. We'd had a dinner <laughs> and a big old time, and it was like, gone 1am. We'd watched The Australian Apprentice. We, we had seen the statue of Lord Alan Sugar. That's it. And we were like, we're getting a bit sleepy, but let's just do one more thing before we call it a night. And we went on Netflix to open up People Just Do Nothing, and, and what like, was well, there? We're never going to go to sleep again, because the escape from The Undertaker is... <laughs> Oh. And we're rest in Hey, it's Kevin and Adam here. Time for a, a caption contest of the undead style. Hey, hey, I am fucking sick of that noise, Kevin. I have literally, right before we recorded this caption contest, I have just put together the little compilation of Undertaker going, that you've no doubt heard in this episode. So I'm, I'm fucking, sorry. I'm coming in hot, baby. I'm already pissed off today. Oh, I thought you were all like hot and bothered, like, you know, because, you know, that is a lot of sexy grunts to hear back to back to back to back to back to back. To back, to back. Mm. But they're all from one person. So, I mean, you don't have the variety like you did at the live That's show, it. you know? It's not the same. Well, here we are with the benefit of hindsight from a couple of weeks after we recorded the original part of the episode. Yep. The Undertaker made his return 
to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia because Mohammed Bill Salmon wouldn't come out of his room for his tea until his favorite wrestler was there. <laughs> the Undertaker was back in business, Adam, and looks like we had egg on our face. He, actually, no, we don't because we were speculating wildly at the end of this episode that he would immediately be coming back. And he but did. He, he's back, baby. He's back in front of a live crowd, just like Whoa. we predicted. Oh! Not, not, oh, not a wrestling crowd. It was a crowd that were there to see the Grammy Award-winning international superstar, Mr. Worldwide, Pitbull. Now, uh, move over Steve Carino interrupting Limpus. Move over Steve Carino interrupting Billy Corgan. We've got a new greatest wrestler artiste interaction. I don't know who Pitbull is. Uh, uh, it's been no. assured to me that if you reach the level of doing big shows in Saudi Arabia, you're pretty much in the victory lap of your career. So yeah. he's a big deal, Pitbull. Surely. He's done at least two WrestleManias. <laughs> Sorry, I was asking for you to convince me, and you came right back with you convince <laughs> me. <laughs> I don't fucking know who he is. <laughs> like, I give a fuck. The most important thing about Pitbull in my mind is that The Undertaker is his hype man now. So Undertaker was in Saudi just for that, right? He didn't show up at Crown Jewel. Well, he didn't do it. the big run-in. This was two days before Crown Jewel, so me and you were like looking at each other like, all right, okay, big man, here we go. This is where it's going to all kick <laughs> off. Obsolete episode incoming. Absolutely. We can't fucking win. There's the amount of times we've recorded an episode and then before released it, it becomes immediately dated. And this, if anything, really underscores the problem with calling this the last, last ride this episode. Because, wait, let's be honest, Kevin. Like, let's just be straight. Just me and you here. Forget about the listeners. I'm just talking directly to you. This is not going to be the last, last ride. There's going to be a fucking... Oh, stop that now. T two or three years down the line, we're going to have to fucking dig up the ossified bones of this series so that we can do another part to cover the fact that Undertaker's having one more fucking victory lap on his career. No, no, this isn't fair because I have several times made bold proclamations. If I'm sick of something, I'm going to avoid talking about it. I was sick mm. of The Rock in like 2016. Yep. And we stopped talking about him. For a bit. For a bit. And I was sick of Vince Russo as well. And I also stopped talking about him for, for, for a bit. bit. Yeah. And uh, over on How To Wrestle on the Patreon, I've just gotten sick of ECW, so I'm going to stop talking about that for a bit. Don't tell me The Undertaker is, is going to be coming right back around anytime soon. I just, I'm just saying, we're calling this the last, last ride. And yes, it's we're not as good as we once were. But we're still as good once as we ever have been, so keep That's your true. eyes peeled for a part seven coming down the line. It's all on Bugger Red. It's up to him. Look, all I'm saying is there is space for the last ride, and last is in bold italics. You know, that could work. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Me, you, Timothy Oliphant, we're getting the gang back together at some point down the line. Me, you, Undertaker, the fans. That's all of them. <laughs> Hey, speaking of fans, this caption contest is sponsored by our good buddies Down Under over at the Oversized New York Apartments podcast. Adam, Michael, and Eric, big parts of the scene down in Australia, the wrestling business of, of Perth, Australia. And let me tell you, they've got a fabulous podcast, Adam, because they've decided to settle once and for all the ultimate battle between the two most oversized New York apartment sitcoms of their time. Friends and Seinfeld. Ooh. Ding ding. Okay, Kevin, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask this just to just to find out which which one whose corner are you in between Friends and Seinfeld? 
I mean, it depends. Like, which Kevin Mann am I going to get? Like, you know, okay. who's, who's, who's going to okay. show up? If it's if it's Attitude Era Kevin Mann, who's there in his, you know, DX hockey top, staying up late to watch wrestling on Sky Sports, he's going to come at you with all sorts of friends factoids. Really? Big, big. I used to watch it on RT too. It was part of, it was part of the oh. scenery. You know, you, you, it's what you did. And my friend's fandom peaked when Bruce Willis showed up in an episode yep. or two for that mini arc. Mm -hmm. That was that was pretty good. And I have, I have on occasion had a sandwich with a soaked gravy slice <laughs> in the middle of it. Like a, a real fan. A, a la Rose. Rose from Friends, <laughs> who's uh, my favorite character. But if it's someone who's collecting DVDs, a sassy young adult who became okay. a sassy regular adult. Mm -hmm. It's all about that Seinfeld. Well, I'm going to just say, it's not even about which Adam Bibolo are you getting here tonight. It's whichever Adam Bibolo it is, it's always friends all day, every day, baby. What? And I'm, I'm saying that as someone that doesn't even really like friends. I just, I know that I like it more than I like Seinfeld. Man, the jaded WWF fan who's not even watched any WCW. I don't really like WWF, but I know it's better than WCW, which I'm assured is not good. I've seen every episode of Friends at least twice, if not wow. three times. It was wow. on E4 all the time, Kevin. It was unavoidable. Uh, Seinfeld, I've seen maybe three episodes, and I have my arms folded the entire time, all the way through them. I'm pretty sure I tried to get you into Seinfeld at oh, one point. Oh, bless you. you. You did. You tried so hard, buddy. You really put the work in, and you put the effort in, and you, you like, got me in a good mood. Big cup of coffee. Got me a little cane action <laughs> figure. Like, come on, Adam. Let's... Oh, what's this? You'll like this. It's funny, I promise. And I'm just sat there, stony-faced. Well, I like the idea of the podcast because you've got people who are feeling very strongly one way or the other about what is the better piece of media. And mm -hmm. we have an episode going head to head with another episode. It almost feels like it's happening in a parallel universe where Friends and Seinfeld went head to head like oh. the Monday Night Wars. And, you know, when Jerry, he'd be looking like he's laughing during the, the rehearsals and most of the scenes that are shot. It's because they had the monitor on in the back and he's watching exactly <laughs> what Friends are doing. What, what's coming through the pipe and he's writing the show on the fly you know <laughs> <laughs> joe just walked by and uh, was was inquiring as to if friends and seinfeld did any sort of like talent exchanges like the lights go out <laughs> in central park and then kramer shows up and everyone feels uncomfortable <laughs> no no that, that definitely didn't happen but i've heard i've heard many times about the episode of seinfeld where elaine just straight up read out what was going on on friends that week like <laughs> oh joey gets a turkey stuck on his head yeah that's gonna put some butts in seeds yeah, it opens up with Jerry Seinfeld inside a big hot rod motorcycle in the middle of the ring going, It's so good to be king! <laughs> <laughs> but I'm always surprised, despite the fact that we've got three fine men from down under here who are involved in the world of wrestling, who are looking at it through that lens, that there wasn't very much traffic between friends in Seinfeld and the sport of wrestling, despite the fact that those are three corners pillars you could say yeah. of 90s late 90s media other than seinfeld being threatened hypothetically by the human suplex machine i don't know maybe undertaker could show up on an episode of friends as a fun new date for phoebe <laughs> that's what bruce willis they should have just given up that role altogether exactly. and offered it to mark calloway he could have been rachel's dad or whatever the fuck it was well it would have worked very well could it could have been a nice segue from the Phenom Undertaker to the American Badass Undertaker. You bring him on Friends, he goes to that territory for a few runs, you know? And then he does the Loser Leaves Time match against Chandler at the end. And then he's back, he's fresh in New York. 
<laughs> Loser leaves town. <laughs> what would happen if Chandler lost that? <laughs> and the Undertaker becomes one of the friends. Monica's got no one to sleep in bed with after that. Oh. That's basically what happens. So make sure you check out Oversized New York Apartments podcast. They've got over 50 head-to-head episodes available now. Wherever you get your audio, follow them at Onya Podcast. O-N-Y-A Podcast. For a second, I thought Enya had done a podcast and was sponsoring us. I got doubly excited for two very wrong reasons. But the guys are fabulous. They're fans of the show. You like our style of humor. And if you ever, ever had even a passing interest in Friends or Seinfeld or you feel passionately about either, it is the show for you. Oversized New York Apartments podcast. Check them out. They're absolutely fabulous. And if you want to sponsor the podcast's caption contest, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash a podcast. Or, as always, podcast at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. If you've got a podcast, a website, a video series, a project of any sort that you want us to shout out, let us know. We'll make it happen for you. So, Kevin, it's time to get into the caption contest of today. And, oh boy, what a final image to end off this series on here. Oh, baby. So, the caption du jour, it's from Escape the Undertaker. And if you were a rambunctious sort and tried to game the system and not really try, you'd be greeted with a little bit of this action. It's the rare platinum NFT Undertaker eating a sandwich gif. <laughs> he's literally... <laughs> you want to talk about a man who's terrified of becoming a parody of himself and was like, yeah, yeah, let's do the shot of me biting into a sandwich now. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of feel like as well, after taking a bite of that sandwich, he's spitting it all out like, you know, Undertaker ain't on that. Undertaker ain't on the red food diet for sure. Now, I like with the the exact frame that we've landed on here is very violent. His eyes are bulging open. He's taking a big, ah, massive chomp of it. Like lightning is about to strike. This sandwich bite is so Absolutely. big. Absolutely. So I've submitted my own caption for the first time ever. It's it's just the painting of Saturn devouring his son by Goya. <laughs> big energy of that right there. <laughs> I want to make a sandwich called the Son of the Undertaker. That would look really badass <laughs> on the telly wall. I have also entered this caption contest i was reminded because as soon as i saw the, the image i just said chris and cheese <laughs> not enough crest in my diet give that man the prize i'm just saying right i get the prize and my prize is i get a crest and cheese sandwich this weekend <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna be taking us through some captions here on the twitter at a podcast and I'm over here on facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast. Bunch of cool videos here from Adam as well. Make sure you give us a like and give us a follow. We got one here from Kit on Twitter who says, The Undertaker's got the munchies for a California cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've had three captions, two of which have implied infanticide. And I'm thinking <laughs> that the boys down under did, weren't necessarily thinking, oh yeah, it'd be great, we'll get this nice little sponsorship gig because they're coming eating children. <laughs> Read the room, guys, come on. <laughs> got one over here from Adam Carter. After the Saudi money dried up and Frey Bentos became too hard to come by, Taker had no choice but to make do whatever it was at the back of the fridge. He's, co- he's coming at you there, Adam. That looks I like know. a Frey Bentos right there. A red Frey Bentos. I know. We got some of those on Twitter and all. Got one here from Joe Del Toro who says, His full order was a BSK, bacon sandwich, ketchup, with a last side of Mean Mark Calslaw and an urn brew. <laughs> Fuck me, man. You know what? <laughs> That's a gr- that's a balanced meal is what that is. And all of is you it? are just 
you're very, very lucky. Well, I lived in Glasgow for a year. I can guarantee you that is that is a balanced meal, okay? Just because any time I drank an iron brew, I proclaimed it a balanced meal. I, 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 I feel like it was good for me. I feel like Undertaker has fallen into the trap that many a bloke has fallen into, where it's like, oh, it's got a little pot of coleslaw on the side, therefore healthy. It's, yes! it's not it's not a burger and chips when you've got coleslaw with it. Like. But mayonnaise makes everything healthier. Doctors have been telling us to drink eight glasses of mayonnaise a day. You know, oh. Dr. Dr. Hellman was very clear with that issue with me, okay? I'm just saying we're very lucky we're recording this caption contest literally on fried egg because I've just had two fried eggs. There Otherwise, it is. I would be in a bad mood reading all these delicious captions. Over here, Josh Sparrowhawk. I've gone from eating the souls of the damned to eating this six-inch meatball marinara. Maybe I'm not the Undertaker anymore. Oh. Maybe I don't have what it takes. Maybe I was never as good as I thought it was. Maybe I'm not the... Hang on, there's no mayonnaise on this. This is some bullshit. No! <laughs> Andrew Rich here. Like a dog needing its medication coated in peanut butter, Michelle has to put Undertaker's special ozone pills inside his sandwiches. <laughs> put in a spoon of peanut butter so he doesn't get sick. Treat, don't treat him like a dog, literally, okay? Adrian or Pantoya here. After a long day of filming TikToks, cameos, helping the wife around the house, and crapping about how easy these new kids have it these days, I think I deserve a little treat. I think it's time for the dead man to rest and feast. For fuck's sake. Brian Bradshaw here. And you call them steamed hands despite the fact that they're obviously grill. <laughs> the classic wrestling review. So I told Brother Paul to buy two sandwiches for me at the big show. But I told him to only fill show sandwich with half the meat. Then I asked show how he was going to make it to the desert. He said, I'll eat my sandwich, wait till you fall asleep, then I'll eat your sandwich. And I told him, good answer, big man, but I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's, a, that's a part of the, the, the two bikes promo. And we often reference that. It's yes. one of my all-time favorites. And that is probably your video that's most popular on YouTube yeah, it is. of all time. Yeah. But the I don't sleep line from a very tired Mark Calloway mm -hmm. is the funniest thing in the world. I don't sleep. I can't. I'm being divorced. You think it's oh. time to sleep? It's the fact that I remember in that clip that he actually pauses for like the huge pop there because he thinks it's such a badass line. <laughs> Everyone's favorite little brother, Noah, here has submitted, and this is accompanied with an image of the Man vs. Food logo, to put that in your mind. I'm Mark Calloway, a leather fanatic who's held every title in the wrestling business. And now, I'm on a wallet-lining journey to find America's greatest sellout opportunities and take money from the world's most evil sources. This is Man vs. Becoming a Parody of Himself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just envisioning Undertaker eating a big pizza slice with the cheese coming out his nose. Yeah. <laughs> John Rhodes here. This is this is this is simple, beautiful uh, reference, beautifully presented. Michelle, I'd like to be alone with the sandwich for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and James Miller here. When the BSK becomes the BLT. <laughs> For fuck's sake. We are getting some fucking platinum tier... Sorry, I'm next to a platinum tier and a tease here. Some platinum tier captions coming out of this image. Mike F here. This is connected to Noah's one as well. 
on this week's episode of Dead Man v Food, Dead Man won. And it feels like the right time to go out. <laughs> Next week, Mark travels to Saudi Arabia to find out if he can swallow his own legacy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious me. Risey here, look fucking, this is what I'm talking about. Here we see The Undertaker enjoying a Frey Bentos all-day breakfast pie. Alright, I get it. <laughs> They're coming for you, Adam. You've been to twitch.tv forward slash Adam Bibolo. You've seen me at my lowest hour. I understand. <laughs> Eric Tobin here. Sorry, when I'm scrolling through all the giggles and then I see something that's just fucking straight down the line like this. Okay. <laughs> Eric Tobin. Ruining his legacy more and more every year. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Tell it like it is, buddy. I love Someone it. Someone finally said it. Derek Wright plays here. This badge of shame you shall show till you die. It warns you're a booger red. I stole a loaf of bread. <laughs> oh, he, he would be a beaut in any musical. Any. Oh. I do you mean, think we'll see him on the, like when they come and they do the UK tour here in winter? Will he do the pantos? He won't do the pantos. He'll do the masked singer in America, I think. And genuinely, Javert, with his incredibly strict black and white worldview of law versus crime, I think Undertaker would make a sweet, sweet Javert. I've got to point out here: Rob Manifield has done a, uh, a parody of the Justy ad, <gasps> and it's no. so good. But I hate that is my most hated ad. No one, where it's like this. Da, 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 da. And, I, and oh. I actually can't bring myself to, to read it out because I'm worried that I'll do a good job of it and then I'll never be able to rest ever again. Literally, every. F I want to say right now if anyone from the Just Eat Corporation is listening, a sincere fuck you for the last five years of horrible campaigns. From that one that Kevin's talking about that talks like no, this. You stopped now. From that to, did somebody say just eat? To the fucking, get free delivery like a G. Sneep, do, do, deeble, do, deeble, dee. Fucking hate everything you've put out in the last five years, just eat. You can seriously fuck off. The 94th. <laughs> the 94th minute here. <laughs> With the wrestling stopped, Mark decides to spend his free time rating fast food joints in a new series he calls Rate My Takeaway. <laughs> We're big fans of, well, we were big fans of Rate My Takeaway here in the AE Podcast household until he started doing fucking three uploads a day or whatever his output became. Yeah, it was literally, like, I, I could, couldn't keep up with it. Like, you know, it was a bit too rich for me, you know, all of that. But, uh, yeah, maybe Undertaker can come and take a, a bite out of Ryback's gimmick. And, you know, he's the he's the Ooh. premier athlete wrestler who reviews food in his car. So, you know, could be. There's a collab in the future. Kyle Gerlich. Paul, can I have a sandwich, please? Uh, a, a cheese sandwich with cooked meat and a hot egg with with a crescent of crisps and a side <laughs> clump of crests. It took a minute there, fucking <laughs> hell. Yeah, because that is just genuinely a banging order. Like, it I'm is. Saying it like, you know, it I'm, legit is. I'm doing that this weekend. Dan Martin here of the Death Bulls webcomic saying, more like phenom. <laughs> <laughs> Last one I got here, James Cole. Undertaker and Paul Bear are planning the ministry's annual barbecue. So I said to Brother Paul, I'm buttering 29 rolls for 29 souls. And the pigs will fit in those rolls. <laughs> okay, I got two more here left from Twitter to finish us off. Two two back-to-back -back bangers. Kyrie Crawford here with, Well, Undertaker, little Glenn is dead. He burned up in the fire with your parents. Hey, I'm trying to eat lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, 
the Puro Puri podcast. This one probably got the most love on Twitter. And this actually, I'm going to say it right now. This is my personal winner right here. Keep it simple. Keep it straight up. Look at the size of that ham hock. <laughs> His career has truly come full circle now. Absolutely. I like it. Well, thank you, everyone, for the fabulous, the hundreds of captions that were sent. Those were but a few. We always appreciate all you folks who send us lovely captions. And if there's upcoming episodes, such as me and Billy, who are going to be looking at Saturday Night's main event, Revamp Oof. Part 2, or the upcoming Royal Rumble 1990 episodes, if there's any pictures you'd like to see used for the caption contest, we're always open to suggestions. Hit us up on the socials, as per usual. And a nice big shout-out again to the fine fellows at the Oversized New York Apartments podcast. Thanks so much, guys, for sponsoring the caption contest. Make sure you check them out wherever you get your audio. But I think it's time for us to uh, head back down to the last ride. Let's grab a couple of shovels and smooth out the top of this grave that we're preparing for the dead man. Adam, let's get in the hearse. Let's get on out of here. Another caption contest in the books for the AE podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for this. It lit up Twitter because people were just like, what an idea. What, what a concept. Because like. And that's what Netflix has been saying about interactive movies over and over and over again. What an idea. What yeah, a concept. It's going to take off one day, right? And I'm not going to lie to you. I've been let down by every single interactive movie I've ever watched on Netflix. Yeah. Except for the Shrek one, which I thought was, you know, did, did the IP solid justice. Okay. This know. is my first one. It's my first interactive Netflix experience. There are, I think, limitations to the media. In that sometimes it necessitates mutual, necessitates you watching something over and over and over again, and yeah, it also had a little. Like I'll say this: when we watched it and played inverted commas, it it was you know late at night. We'd had a nice giddy old night, mm-hmm. and we were in stitches. We were, and if you're it gonna, was fun. If you're gonna do it, get your friends. Yeah, get whoever you have good banter with, whoever yep. it is. Sit down. This is a cap off the night, 40 minutes Absolutely. delight. We'd don't, had a good dinner. We'd had a bottle of wine. We were all just in that. We were all getting a bit sleepy. Yeah, you don't You don't be watching this on your own. Oh, Jesus, no. All please right? don't, don't do that. And it won't don't. Even, it'll literally be borderline spooky. It'll be so depressed Oof. if you watched it on your own. And we just had a laugh with it. It was honestly like, it was a bit disappointing in some places in that, the trailer maybe made out that they were going to go like crazy whole hog. Well, like, that's it. You know? I say we had a laugh with it. I think we had a laugh at it. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I was, I was genuinely hoping that it's like the new day. They're three of the most charismatic and fun people Let them in riff. wrestling. Let, Let them loose. It's going to be a big spooky castle. Cause it's Netflix. It'll be Netflix money. Like say what you will about cinematic matches and WWE, whatever it's Netflix. They're going to have big money, big production values. It's going to be so fucking over the top and crazy. Well, you know their tagline is like the WWE Network, but slightly worse. Exactly, yeah. Slightly <laughs> under the top. Like. <laughs> and it was really mild. Like, right from the start. When it, was, it was done on the cheap, I think. It was done on the mega cheap, Kevin. Because I thought, like, it's Escape the Undertaker. It's going to be a big haunted castle. We see the New Day walking up the drive to what is very very clearly a porno mansion oh yeah i mean oh, very very clearly like towards the end of the of the the watch through like i was i was 
state in my case that it was definitely the house from Flavor of Love and Rock of Flavor. Love. Oh, that's it. Yeah, stuff like Flavor of Love, The Bachelorette season twelve or whatever. It's a reality like, slash porn house. At, when, when a reality show isn't being filmed there, there's porn in every room going on. Like, <laughs> and we even noticed that as we went through. It's like, oh, this is the medical room. Clearly, like, there's all the different yeah, yeah. genres. Like, so it doesn't feel Undertaker right off the bat. It's a big like Bel Air almost looking mansion. It, like. And, and like the problem is, is that because of the it's kind of slightly cheap nature of it all, I guess. It looked like a cinematic match. Yeah, and there was a lot of kind of rickety parts, and those are the bits we probably laughed at the most. And I think it just didn't deliver... It wasn't over the top enough. There wasn't enough, like, silly little things that you would see. Like, yeah, you got to see, like, oh, there's Isaac Yankum's body. Or there, there's a picture of Paul Bearer. Yeah. But, like, honestly, I needed more than that, like, you know? What I needed, the only thing I needed was the New Day to be the New Day. And instead, they made them these three quiet, stoic men that were like, oh, what, do you think we should try this key in here? Eve? Sometimes yeah. they did a bit of a dance. There was literally one bit where it was like, we did it, yeah, ow, oh, wow, wow. And then the music stopped and they went back to being quiet again. Yeah, like, it was kind of like, imagine a really joyless Scooby-Doo mystery yeah. gang. Like. And that was the big appeal to me, was like seeing the New Day on a big, silly, spooky adventure. I thought it would be like a campy Scooby-Doo kind of thing. But no, they, they try and play it for spooks and it's not spooky in the slightest because it's so cheap. What was your favourite bit? If you had a highlight of the whole thing? Because I would still say, it's a, if you've not played it or watched it or whatever definitely do it do we were thinking about doing like you know a, a playthrough or adam doing a stream of it or commentary something or something but it's it's one of those things because it's just out it'll be auto banned it'll whatever. be if we put any video on screen it'll get automatically taken down and if we try and do a commentary track where we're like okay everyone choose this thing three two one people already struggle to do our regular commentary tracks, and, and, and your, your, your bandwidth might be different to ours there's like a split second yeah. where it's like it before it loads it that little split second could throw everything way out of whack so i, I can't think of a good way to make yeah. content with this highlight i've got two big highlights Number one is that they suck all the fun and all the spookiness out of it by revealing that Undertaker is sat in his little man cave with his computers and he's like monitoring the new day. Did like, you see the bit where he eats a sandwich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got he had a little sandwich on the go. That was funny. Main highlight for me is that we kept noticing between scenes sometimes Undertaker had hair coming out from under his hat. Sometimes there was literally no hair there whatsoever, and the, and it became like a big sticking point <laughs> where all four of us were really hung up. Like, what's going on under that hat? I need to see under that hat. And at one point, he finally reaches up with both hands and he takes off the hat to reveal his long, long head. He had the biggest fucking forehead. And as a man with a receding hairline, I'm not having a pop. No, but, but come on. man he was, alive. He was fucking Battlefield Earth. Look at that so- thing. <laughs> While you were still at your mother's teat, I was main event in the garden, Briora. And my career has got endless options for renewal. That's what Man is saying. This contract <laughs> has endless options for renewal. He looked so bizarre. Really big alien undertaker. Any like. lowlights? Like, it's in a pit where you're like, fuck all of this. There's, there's a good, like... 15 minute chunk where like Big E's soul has started to be drained out and every time you cut to Big E he's like looking and E is like he's the champion at the minute and he's like so full of energy and instead it's Big E going like looking sad all the time it was really upsetting look like he's got IBS or something like. another low light was the bit where you get to see Kofi Kingston's worst fears and it's him oh that was the bit I liked I, I liked I it I liked it a lot I liked it but it was also a bummer just seeing Kofi looking at a TV screen with him getting pinned by Brock and Vince McMahon calling him B plus because it's like 
Ah, uh, yeah. In my mind, they were playing this before WrestleMania. Where he no, 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 no. Si- the- I picked the silence the doubters option, you see. That this is it. like a very recent thing and seeing Kofi hating all these things and knowing that like, well, there's not going to be any sort of like big redemptional revenge on these things. That's just kind of the way Kofi's career is now. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, high point for me, the point where I could not stop laughing. Because <laughs> the bit in the trailer, I, I don't know if you at home agree with me on this, because when in my watch party here, no one seemed to kind of be on board with it. But there was a bit at the end of the trailer where it's the New Day going, <gasps> and they're looking up. Yeah. Very much a kind of a shot oh, like the yeah. Goonies or, yeah. or It or whatever. And Taker's like being risen up, and then they go, oh... And I'm sorry, that's a fucking transformation sequence. You thought we were getting giant Undertaker, didn't you? Or at least Super Undertaker. Demon Undertaker. You know. Like end of Tekken kind of Undertaker. Or Ooze turns, Undertaker. Turns into an ogre or something. Or turns into a big crab or something yeah. like or that. Or a giant you know? Undertaker symbol or summer. Like. Something. But instead what it was was him being hoisted up on a fucking wire. Just levitating. And man, the face on him. He looked like he was about to shit a hernia out. Oh my god. <laughs> he was literally like because it's obviously like they had to strap him in and good and tight. Yep. And just the actual weight of the harness on his body is broken by <laughs> and like when they're yep. they're bringing him back down, it's like careful, 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 careful. You know, the, the glass knees break. Yo. I was gonna say, honestly, my favorite bit was the 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 Kofi scary bit just because yeah. it was like they took something from wrestling and brought it into a non-wrestling context and it you know if you were a non-wrestling fan heaven forbid you got this far it was and the- chose these options but then i hate it then it's like uh, biggies fears spiders yeah i know come on <laughs> it was the most well-directed bit that bit with kofi it looked like a drowning pool video or yeah. something like that it looked different at least it was not a sum of its parts because there were some bits that were shot that were very beautiful like looked yeah. re- like great like I thought the bit where like t- it was like Taker and Xavier in this black room with just the white light and he's digging a grave that looked good but then they're back in the porn mansion you can see like you guys pointed out that the urn had clearly been 3D printed oh yeah and the, you could see like the outline of the housing for the, when the plastic the came out the symbols on the urn had been 3D printed and you can see the ridges from the printer it was so obvious I swear the fuck to god between you and Joe it's either one thing or another because it's either like oh well we both have media degrees so we're gonna we, ruin everything gonna, for uh, you oh we both have experience working with 3D 3D printers so <laughs> that rune's not real that's not Daedric at all Kevin fuck's sake there was a nice shot at the very end when we beat it because we got the good ending there was a nice good camera quality shot of the Undertaker sat on his throne going you truly have escaped the Undertaker you truly made this Netflix special rest in <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> but look there is one golden moment one precious memory that I'm going to take away from this till the end of my days and yes I bet no one saw this coming folks but we have got a grunt of the night here excuse me there is a bit in the finale and spoilers by the way this is in the climax of the film spoilers again where Undertaker is struggling he's like I think he's handcuffed to a coffin or something <laughs> yeah. Big E has just taken the power potion and is about to smash the urn with a sledgehammer. What are we waiting for? Undertaker sees it and he goes, No! (laughs) And you pointed out it's like three takes spliced into one. No! Destroy it, E! No! (laughs) What he didn't see was that Xavier had low blowed him. (laughs) And at the same time, Kofi had smashed a cinder block on his knee. (laughs) No! (laughs) All I'll say is that 
I thought when we left the last ride the last time, it's like the doors are open. Here comes the Undertaker, the multimedia entity. The, this is it. The character. Yes. You know, it's not about Robert Downey Jr. It's about Iron Man. It's uh-huh. not about Mark Howe. It's about the Undertaker. Uh-huh. And it feels a little thin on the ground. I think maybe perhaps it's a you know post-pandemic backlog perhaps of stuff yeah, that's not come out yet. Perhaps. But I, or maybe it's just Mark Calloway himself going, you know, I've got quite enough money and quite enough endeavours for, for, for anyone, this would be a crazy amount of stuff Maybe. that's come out. Maybe I'll take a step back. Maybe. And then once it comes around to WrestleMania time next year. Maybe. But, I mean, let's talk about the, the, the big main event now. Our final, final farewell to The Undertaker. This is where we're going to end things now for we're the last end ride. Things. What more fitting final farewell than the actual final farewell of The Undertaker. A segment which I will point out now that I've had to review for a podcast twice. Yes. Yes, you have. In the Thunderdome. Well done, mate. Well done for getting this far. Well done. Well, do- well, well done. This is medium rare. <laughs> I mean, like, this is the type of thing that even if I, my parents knew what my job was, <laughs> they'd be worried. And then I told them that I'm doing it again. Yeah, yeah. What is it, Kevin? Well, what it is is an old, old man being brought into a room full of digital ghosts, being surrounded by a ring of men saying goodbye. In genuinely the worst possible circumstances. How did you feel in the build-up to this? Because they announced it ahead of time. That it's Survivor Series. It's the 30th anniversary of Undertaker's debut. This is the final farewell. They made a big, like a long-winded drum roll up until this point of like, here it comes. This is the Undertaker's retirement. Where <sighs> WrestleMania 33, when Roman beat him, that was meant to be his retirement, but they never said that. It was like implied. People understood it. It was never stated. They said ahead of time, this is goodbye to The Undertaker. It's funny as well because in the video package they play here, they end with him doing the the, the pose from the end of that match. Because it was, yeah, that was the best image. Retconning it like what it was. I mean, I've gotten a little numb to retirement speeches over the years. Good, because you ain't getting one here. (laughs) Because like... Daniel Bryan's retirement, you know, a few oh. years back, which of course wasn't a retirement at all. Yeah. And that and Ric Flair's retirement as Same well. Same with Edge, wasn't a retirement in Yeah, the end. and I think yeah. with those, it's like, okay, all of those were, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, over-the-top deliveries of like, you know, you want me to cry? Well, good job. You got me crying about Daniel it. Bryan, you got me crying about Edge, you got me crying about Ric Flair. Uh, with the exception of Daniel Bryan, I didn't think I'd be crying about any of those people when I watched those yeah. segments back in the day. But just as a point now, I'm not saying, oh, it's Daniel Bryan's fault for coming back from it. But those need a certain something. And the certain something is almost definitely going to be the secret sauce of having a live crowd in attendance. That's it. It's the emotion. And I just knew that in the build-up to it, I thought, are they going to do like kind of loads of cool video packages or do some kind of like spooky little story that runs through Survivor Series yeah. where the wrestlers are reacting to comings and goings on. Absolutely. And he's there as like kind of a presence almost. That's what I thought. And then when it came to it, it's like, no, no, main event of Survivor Series is over because this is the pandemic and wrestling is meaningless and WWE has no concept of content. Yeah. So the main event, 35 minutes of it, and the main event of Survivor Series, one of the big four of the year, is going to be this very, very long, slow, arduous fucking retirement speech, in inverted commas. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, it was the worst of all worlds. So it starts off with the announcer telling us to welcome the people who are here to pay homage to The Undertaker. And this, is, of course, is the voice of the creatures of the night, Mike Rome. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. He's, he's been through thick and thin with the dead man. It's basically what would it be like if Top Shop and Earthworm Jim merged into one. Oh boy, what? <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, the first person we get 
Here comes the money. It's Shane McMahon dancing around. Shane O'Mac. Shane O'Mac. Shane O'Mac. Shane O'Mac. Shane O'Mac. We are the WWE Universe. We like certain performers. Shane O'Mac. Shane O'Mac. Shane O'Mac. They had nearly a fucking year of no crowd. And they have a crowd back now, and they're still doing this audience sweetening thing. Oh, and yeah. They still don't know. No. They, this is like if you're trying to make a cocktail, and you're like, oh, I'll put in a bit of this. Yeah. Oh, no, that's too bitter. I'll put in a bit of this oh. and a bit of this. And all of a sudden, you got like nine fucking things But here. then you keep doing that every weekend, this like long nonstop. island iced piss of crowd reaction for every wrestler who comes out, where it's like, hey, here comes JBL. It's the entire gamut of human emotion and being. The, and it's all like it's one thing when the the Thunderdome is there being so stilted, but we get proper fucking WWE 2K commentary on this. But JBL, the man who with the Undertaker was in the first ever Last Ride match. Can we just start like AJBL? It's a two hours fifty three and fifty. This is like them kind of going. This is what we think a crowd would sound yes. like if a baddie came out, yep. but they were doing something noble. It's uh, we have respect for this baddie. I, it, just listen to this. WWE Hall of Famer. Can you tease it? There's like one lad in there booing in the warehouse, mm. surely. But there's then this kind of like give him ten SmackDown 04 hair dryers. Yeah, boost up the bass on it because. That sounds like a heel noise. Messy. We get no more BS. Show big strength, as the Titan Tron says. It's Paul White himself. Show big strength. It's only a few more weeks and he'll be out the door. But you know what's good about this is because there's no crowd here in the Thunderdome. Anytime the camera's not on Big Show, he can easily sneak a quick vape in because no one's going to to judge him. Like, uh, it's totally fine. New name, new shoes, new vape, new room. <laughs> we get Jeff Hardy, who... Thanks for dressing up, Jeff. I mean, th- this is the really depressing part, is that some people are dressed really classy. JBL, Big Show. Big Show is wearing the nicest fucking suit. He looks like a million dollars. He does. Jeff Hardy, black hoodie, willow face paint. Fucking weird, man. And Foley, who looks genuinely oh, perturbed dude. by... Like, there's certain wrestlers and they come out and they're like, this is just fucking weird. I don't want to be here And for Foley this. comes out and he literally is like mushroom to himself like, this is weird. This is wrong. This, this is, is this strange. Is wrong. Why don't we wait until the crowd's back? Godfather, a great friend of the Undertaker. And then when the Godfather comes out, the you got all these old men in the ring just like kind of bobbing uh, along. Like, oh come on, we're having fun, aren't we? Shane is sweating as well. I know. Well. I know. This, <laughs> it must be freezing cold in that Thunderdome. Godwins. I popped for the theme. Yeah. And they're in their dungaroos, looking very fucking... T- I mean, Midian looks well. i got to say, Midian looks great. They both look great. But don't, one, of them, one of them lads broke his fucking neck, like. Let them wear suits. Don't oh, they were told to wear those. I know, that's what I mean. Don't make them fucking wear the dungarees. Just listen to come out fucking draped in a confederate flag or something like that. Savio Vega, looking fucking fabulous. Now, there is a man who knows how to play to a non-existent crowd. Yeah. He's just there fucking cutting a promo on the I camera. I mean, he's probably just delighted to be back on pay-per-view. It's Savio Vega on WWE TV. Savio. I'm going to say right now he has got presence he has got fucking charisma that is still the same he has got an air of like just seniority he has that same vibe that MVP has now where it's like oh yeah I could see him as a manager of champions let's bring him in like yeah bring in Savio man I mean, come on and this is where I started to realise that like yeah for us it's all well and good we know the BSK we know what this is about 
But for the casual fan, or like for people that have only been watching for a little bit of time, <laughs> fuck them. Show some photos of the BSK backstage. Like the next one that comes out is Rikishi, and they're like, "Who can forget? We always talk about mankind getting thrown off the hell of the cell. Who could forget when Undertaker threw Rikishi off? Why don't you show us a clip of that? Let's add some fucking history and some meaning to this and event." Literally, as you've had like two or three Bone Street crew members in a row come out as Rikishi's coming into the ring, and Michael Cole goes, "And who could, of course, forget about Yokozuna?" And out comes Kevin Nash. Here next. he is, big sexy, big mortified, more like big Jesus jeans. Jesus fucking Christ! His fucking jeans and his short sleeve shirt on. I thought he was yawning at one point. Like he turned or he coughed or yawned or something. It is Booker T coming out, with looking a, very sharp in his Caramac shoes. And it's everyone's favorite substitute woodwork teacher. Let yes! you play with the with the saws as much as you'd like. It's me, Shawn Michaels. I immediately, you want to see Shawn get in the ring and then turn the chair around backwards and sit on it and just sort of like connect with these kids. Like, I'm, I'm not like the other professors. I'm cool. I'm down with you lot. I'm going to connect with these kids. Also, I'm one bad day away from actually fighting these kids as mm. well. So please, let me get through to these kids. Ric Flair coming out. Now, My shoes are too small. <laughs> oh, God. It's when Flair showed up that I was like, at the time when we watched this, November 2020, is when I was like, Jesus, there was no vaccine rollout or anything back then. There's all these old men, Ric Flair especially, like at a very vulnerable age. They're all just gathering together in the ring. Well, right? I'm sure at the Trump rally he's going to this November, there'll be oh. lots of mass mandates and he'll be perfectly safe and all that. <laughs> Ric Flair, congratulations on managing to make your fucking stock somehow fall even lower. I, I feel like that's intentional where it's like, oh, okay, people don't like me anymore. Hey, well, I know there's a, a certain subset of people that still defend me to my dying day and I'm going right. to lean hard into that. Right, can't wait to see it. Woo. <laughs> Triple H And did you see What was on his little Mini Tron Oh well I know He did the Undertaker Throat sash He did yeah. Again very he, nice suit He had a nice suit on him He did Very like very Smart Most well dressed person Velvety here. blazer on him Looked amazing Yeah NXT logo on his little Mini Tron there oh. Yeah well maybe I'll swing by Your final farewell <laughs> And your Old lady can queue up in my nine line, dead man. <laughs> so, we've got mostly a bunch of people in suits. A few, like, button-up shirts and jeans. And one former mayor in a pair of his best pajamas. Don't make him come out in his jammies. There is a Amazon... <laughs> there is an Amazon Halloween costume of this cane outfit. And I shit you not, the other day I was looking on Amazon and I was about to screenshot it and send it to Adam and I thought... No, I won't do that to him. No, I don't want to ruin his day. He literally has a big sticker on it that says Kane. <laughs> and this this, this Glenn Jacobs performance here, he was one sticker away from looking like he was advertising a fucking Halloween oh, costume. Oh, he looked mortified, mate. He looked like he really would rather be doing anything but this. Now, the music that they played... Did they play Metallica on the night? I can't remember. They did. And it's the same song they used from the Boneyard match. Ah, Saint Anger nope, tolls nope, the bell. Nope. Because you see a, 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 a fan in the crowd holding up a sign that says, For Whom the Bell Tolls. And I'm like, oh yeah, they got For Whom the Bell Tolls. And then the more you listen to it, it's that like, oh no, it's the Boneyard one. And I did a quick Shazam of it. It is off their most recent album. Like, it is clearly like the most oh. discounted one they could have All done. All right, like. I see. For Whom the Tolls part two. <laughs> Joining Gay Bar part two is the all-time Fuck great me. sequel songs. We we get to see the uh, the pants shitting tombstone to Sid. They included that in Thanks the montage. That. 
And then Vince McMannikin comes into the ring and oh, because, looking like the Joker. And because this old ventriloquist dummy is, can cast a curse and there's a little bit of magic left in him, he casts the ring of men away. They all disappear. They just vanish. Yeah, we come back from the package and they're gone. They are nowhere to be seen. Which is an odd thing to do. What a weird choice. Why? Why? bother at least have them surrounding the ring lumberjack style applauding showing respect at least have some sort of like energy of an audience of some kind well you don't need the energy of an audience or the energy of a ring of men who knew and respected the man when you've got vince mcmahon who's equal parts choked up and very very rambly oh i like you all to here tonight i'm asking you now to stand up for the undertaker a lot of people are trying to say mean things about the undertaker and so on and so forth but uh 30 years wow I want you all to go to the SoundCloud comments for that horrible podcast. I want you to give him what for and tell him that he can wear whatever t-shirts he wants, quite frankly. There will be no more fitting end to the man's career. And now, joining me in a moment of silence for a rendition of his theme on a dot matrix printer. It's fucking horrible. So, uh, I found out, you know, a couple of musicians were in the house there and uh, found out that that is actually what's known as a singing Tesla coil. Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen them at the Science Museum. They're they cool. are very expensive. Yes. And that was a lot more high-end than the tinny noise you just heard would yep. lead you to believe. Yeah. And then we get a nice, long entrance for The Undertaker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vince just sort of disappears fucking, as well. Yeah. Good, good night, Padre. And he's out of there as well. It's literally just... They've made the room as empty and as lifeless as yeah. possible for the Undertaker. They've drained the, like, whatever fake life is in the Thunderdome, gone. every bit of it gone. Yeah. And Jesus. Long. He, Undertaker! 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 <sighs> Hello, everyone. Thank you, Taker! Thank you, Taker! Thank you, Taker! You know what? He looks mortified by the chanting. You know what I'm mortified by? I know it's besides the point. They got worse at doing this over the pandemic yeah of, yeah of oh absolutely they, yeah they've never been good no. but they've been worse yeah. i genuinely resent the thought of going to a wrestling show which is taped and my input or the noise <laughs> i make being like like you just want the visual of a lad there yeah do you want me to do thumbs up and thumbs down yeah like, i'll do that want? if that's what you that. want yeah but should i shut up is that because you got to yeah. like i don't want to be doing i'm if i go to a, a, a show i'm never going to do any of these chants no and if I did, I wouldn't do them like this. I remember there was that one week where they experimented with, they had the giant titantrons, literally had the chance on screen with like a little karaoke ball. And now they've realized like, we don't even need to do that. We can just play it ourselves. Like, Look, if you want to get rid of certain chants, like if everyone says one fall, for instance, yeah. all you do is you go to the UK and you buy up all of the talent <laughs> and you create the worst wrestling promotion ever. Yes. No one will be chanting that anytime nah. soon. Remember, remember nine years ago where people were like, God, they're never going to stop saying one fault. Yeah, well done. they will. Don't well worry. Done. We'll find a way. <laughs> and Undertaker has a few little words. A few. A couple words. A few little words. And he's saying goodbye, essentially. Like He's saying like the Undertaker character is, is dead now. Madam yeah. has come to... <sighs> there he goes. Oh, yeah! No! Oh, no, no, well, you no. You forgot about Coachella, Paul Bear. No, look, I resent this because at the, <laughs> at, 
I remember at the time, everyone was like, hologram Paul Bearer, that's so weird, that's so disrespectful. No, a hologram is actually like a trick of the light that is there in person. What you've got here is Undertaker kneeling in an empty room, and then they've got a, a PNG file of Paul Bearer, and they've put it over the screen with a slight translucency effect. Like, it's not even a hologram, they've just put him on the screen. Like. And Taker, that, that was the last kneel for him, but Jesus fucking Christ. It nearly went on for the rest of his life. Like, <laughs> Oh, that, that, he wow. Was, he was down there for a good two minutes or so for a character who never was known to speak who was never known to interact with other people and for a moment which you agonized over to tell us it was not about the man but about the character going away and there were no fans there were so many avenues that you could have given this man a million ways to have this done this character a, a way like a narrative anything to say he's gone you know what genuinely in my mind i've retconned it that time undertaker was beaten into a vegetative state <laughs> and then he walked into like a white room yeah that that mentally is how the undertaker's career ended it's a better ending because just like i'm not saying it ended back in you know 2009 just saying like as a visual that's better than a lad with a fucking wig they, on him that's it the not even allowed to say hi to his mates like the visual at the end of the roman match was a way better ending yeah. if they just had his mates there all surrounding the ring and clapping and he gets in the ring and he does the pose and it's like and then he's gone that would have been beautiful that would have been poetic what they gave us was so fucking awkward and stilted and weird and most importantly of all sad like yeah, yeah. we've disrespected no end of mark calloway and we've said all all sorts of negative things about him but the fact of the matter is he is genuinely one of the most important and biggest legends in wrestling you cannot get around that. you cannot get around that the guy has done miracles for the industry he is genuinely like a once in like once in an eternity character there'll never be another one never ever, ever ever and he deserved a damn sight better than that shit show of a send off like if we're saying that that's essentially a slap that's in it the right. Face, right imagine how the big Undertaker fans must have felt like I mean you know I know there's a lot of folks out there and I think it's not just with wrestling or with wrestlers, but there's certain times where if you get so into anything, you don't give a shit. You'll find the positive. I'll find the positive. Yeah. You know, I feel like that, but there's a lot of wrestlers who I do feel that way about, mm -hmm. you know, some of them are in this company, some of them are in the other company. Mm -hmm. But Undertaker was not that. And I just felt like it left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And there was also the conspiracy theory in my mind that they gave him a deliberately underwhelming send off. To make him want to come back. Well... I'll guarantee you right now he'll be back before fans saying goodbye again. He, that's it. That this cannot be the last in ring. No! He will have to do Never! this again in front of a crowd. At yeah. the very, very least, he'll be there to say rest in peace in front of a room full of people. That is definitely going to happen. For his 31st anniversary. Oh, maybe. I don't know what the occasion will be. I'm thinking a one last WrestleMania. Yeah. Like, he'll tombstone some jobber and he'll say rest in peace. And then that can be the final chapter. Well, whenever he goes into the Hall of Fame, they'll be that tied into it, I think. You'll oh, get shit. The, He's got to do Hall of Fame. That'll be it. it. That'll be it. He you has to do the Hall of Fame. Yeah. If I put a, uh, a gun to your head now and say next year in 2022, would they, would they go into the Hall of Fame? Yes, I think so. I feel like... WWE is kind of at the minute looking for big moments. They're looking for Fuck big things to get now, people yeah. eyeballs on the wrestling. Like that's why Brock Lesnar came back and Becky Lynch came back. You know, there's a yeah. lot of like, look at this, look at the big thing we're doing. Undertaker going in the Hall of Fame is surely an easy one. Like, but one thing I will definitely say is that from the most recent interviews of all the ones that we watched, we've watched probably every bit of media this fucker has done in the last twelve or eighteen months. He has not changed his tune, and if anything, he has hardened his stance about the kind of feel like I was embarrassing myself. I don't want anyone to go pay money for a ticket and see me all shit and crap. 
genuinely real talk i know that this is probably completely different to what we said at the start of this series because it has been 12 months a lot has happened mm. a lot has changed i do genuinely believe that we're not getting any sort of match cinematic or otherwise i feel like the boneyard being what it is that is the last match in inverted yeah. commas of the undertaker why would you attempt to do anything when sting is just going to outperform you at any turn oh, anyway honestly. right i mean if there's one thing i would love to see it would be that like sting and undertaker in a cinematic match but that's just something we can only dream of folks yeah i have to get on 2k20 and get a simulation going for that one or in your case put it on a fucking horrifying barbed wire exploding board simulation on yeah uh, fire pro wrestling fire pro baby instead well that's gonna do it we have hung up our boots we have walked down the aisle we've put our jacket and our hat on and then we've taken them back off again and put them in a nice little pile in the middle of the room and then we went away and then we've come back and then we went away again then we did Saudi twice three times and then came back again and then another shot and now we're doing this in an empty room with no one else here. And this is it now. Now we're done. Starting now. So that's right about way of saying we've come to the end of the last ride discussion series with myself and Adam. Yes. And this has been a strange endeavor. I feel like if anything, it's been the most damning indictment of the WWE documentary style. Like I feel like having done this series, I would always go out of my way. Like, oh, new 24, new 365, new day of. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think in the last year I don't think I've watched a single WWE no, documentary. Me neither, no. like, these are literally it's like it has exposed me to an element of artifice that was there. Yeah. That I always knew was there, but like, god damn man, the wrestling feels realer than the documentaries at this point. Yeah, the documentaries aren't great. They aren't doing them justice. I mean, you told me recently you watched the Kevin Nash documentary for How oh, to Wrestling. Off. We have it's to like, abandon it and like go for something else, yeah. Thirty minutes long or yeah. whatever it was. Relive the story of a man who once knew Scott Hall. But look, oh, but look, I've at least got a better appreciation for Mark Calloway, a person. I did get genuinely some emotion from this, like yeah. seeing him come to terms with this stuff has been nice. Like looking at the anxious mess of a man from part one of Last Ride, comparing that to the guy that was on Hot Ones. He's happier now. That's nice. Yeah, that's sweet. That's cute. I like the idea oh. of him and Michelle hanging out with their kids more often. Yeah, it's like the, you know, wrestlers deserve happy retirements. Absolutely. And, you know, if there ever was a wrestler who, you know, and I'm separating the man from the character here now, but yeah. if there ever was someone who I was like, please, 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 don't let him be that old fucking workhorse who no. gets carted out and keels over and fucking let collapse. him rest. Yeah, and we got we got a couple of years of that. Yeah, and we got enough to make us assume much worse was coming. Exactly. And I'd say one thing about the finishing off the last ride, as bad as it got. I am still in awe. It did not get worse. That's it. I'm grateful that it went out the way it did. And I'm honestly, as a big mark for the Boneyard match, I'm happy with that being the end. And you know what? To Undertaker, you know, to his chagrin, he was upset about him not being used to the extent that he thought he should have been, but maybe it was for the best. I think so. Maybe Daddy Vince did actually know what was best for his kids after all. Agreed. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Attitude Era podcast. And as always, if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your audio leave us an old rating or review why don't you it always helps out the algorithm massively and if you want to check us out on social media contribute to caption contests see what's going on checking out new videos as they drop and new releases at a podcast on the twitter and facebook.com forward slash attitude podcast give us a like give us a follow on that facebook page you will find a whole smorgasbord library of video content we have got some little clips from classic episodes new episodes 
and a lot of previews of our Patreon content so you can get a little taste of what it's like to listen to the Bibliotech Smackdown Crawl or some of our gamesmanship episodes, one of which came out very recently, Kevin. We sat down and we played No Mercy on the N64. We took Bob Holly on a little hardcore odyssey. We made our old childhood creator wrestlers in a modern day setting. It's over two hours long. It is easily the biggest, best, and most bold of all of the video episodes that we've ever done. But if you become a backer over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash apodcast, you'll get access not just to that video episode, the whole back catalog of video episodes, over 80-something episodes of the Smackdown Crawl oh. from the Star Smackdown all the way up to WrestleMania 17 is where we're, we're at the there. moment. We're nearly there. The regal regime is upon us, Kevin. <laughs> if you like the sounds of the hardcore truth or the Hardy Boys book report episodes you see here on the main feed, there's a whole shed load of other Bibliotech episodes as well as that Q&A episodes, commentary tracks, side ventures, goofs, random bonus bits. If you enjoyed Limp Bizkit, Chocolate Starfish, there's a lot of stuff like that. You can support us for as little as $5 a month, drop out at any point in time as well, and the best thing, it keeps this show 100% fan and listener supported. We're not paid by Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, or Joe Rogan. <laughs> Just by our fabulous backers, patreon.com forward slash podcast. Until next time then, where God, I guess Adam and I are going to have to find another side series, another dusty trail for us to mosey on down through. Yeah, I mean... WWE and then Last Ooh. Ride, how could you possibly follow up that? I know, that's it's like we've just closed the chapter on a big part of our lives and we've got to figure out what we're doing next with ourselves, Kevin. It's time, our time has come for the Last Ride miniseries to rest in peace. An additional episode into the pantheon of podcasts about The Undertaker. <laughs> Until next time, it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And me, Adam. I will see you next time on the Adichera Podcast. Oh! oh, oh. Bam! Bam!